0: hello it is coach us up chuck wednesday december 29th already 2022 is right around the corner but today we have a packed show a lot of things that happened on the show yesterday more specifically things that happened with aaron Rodgers on the show yesterday have thrown us into quite a conversation with a lot of people figured we might as well get a doctor on the show Boom, dr drew's here can't wait chat with him Al Michaels, friend of the show, back, talking about John Madden, the legend that we lost in the NFL community. Pete Schrager, Coach Chuck Pagano, and Davis Mills, quarterback for the Houston Texans. A.J. Hawk is back. The boys crush it. What a day. If you like the show, by the end of it, please be a friend. Tell a friend. If not, just act like it never happened. Here we go. I would like to lead off, though, because... I learned about a man last night while watching a documentary that I have the immense amount of respect for. I was not a gamer growing up. Uh, He retired in 2009, the year I got into the NFL, so I didn't get a chance to meet John Madden or listen to him call any of the games we were on. I would heard his work, but because I wasn't a gamer, because I didn't meet him personally, I don't think I necessarily had an affinity for John Madden. I got that people liked him. I understood John Madden was a big deal. The name was a big deal. After watching the all Madden documentary last night, I was wrong for not learning about this man more. What a trailblazer in the coverage of sport, more specifically football, broadcasting, the ability to connect with people both in the large cities and in the world that is the Midwestern United States of America. His ability and graciousness to talk to everybody and do everything and make a game not only informative but entertaining. Uh, I... I loved that documentary last night. Fox Sports One ran it uh, because obviously he passed away and the world was mourning his loss. Especially at all four major networks in which he worked and had friends with, and the amount of people he brought together in connection and the people—Peyton Manning, Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, you- Lamar Jackson—you name everybody was in this thing talking about his influence on the game of football. Uh, I did not know enough about him while he was alive. That's on me. A hundred percent. I would like to say it's probably because there was this one time when I was 12 years old. I was playing my brother in Madden. Okay, my brother, big time gamer. Polaropsy human in me, my brother, big time gamer. Great at video games. I was not. I bounced around. Playing Madden against my brother, 2, 3 a.m., one of his friend's houses. I had the lead. It's the fourth quarter, fourth down. I'm up four. He called a timeout with like 16 seconds left, 10 seconds left. I had to punt him the ball. I had the ball. I had to punt him the ball. Poor clock management, looking back on it now, I probably could have maybe kept the guy in bounds and not had, you know, like there's something I did wrong probably in the final two minutes that lost that game. But it came down to basically a punt play to end it, me up for first time ever going to beat my brother. I punt him the ball. He returns it all the way to the end zone turns around, runs back to his end zone, turns around, runs all the way back and scores and beats me. Okay, obviously no time left. At that exact moment, I said, I fucking hate punting. Okay, hate it, don't love it. I fucking hate video games. And I hate this Madden game for sure. In that one night, 2 a.m., 3 a.m., against my brother, you know, really probably set me on a course to never really play video games again. And if I would have stuck in it, I probably would have been a much better football mind before I got in the NFL. I probably would have learned football at a much better rate. I probably would have got a chance to enjoy the brain that is Madden that I'm learning about. But because I had that one experience with a much better Madden player against me, it kind of changed my life. And I think that is the thing I thought about last night. If I would have kept a guy in bounds and let the clock run and I win that game. I probably get addicted to Madden. Mm-hmm. I probably learn all these things about John Madden. I probably know so much more about football and that is what Madden was the football. That video game introduced the world. To the NFL. It introduced the world to football. It taught people football and that was by design. John Madden wanted the world to understand the sport that he loved so much. He was a coach literally until his dying day who gave everything he had to the sport of football and he did it in a different way. And a lot of people last night, you know, there were some executives on that documentary last night that I, you know, was interested to see them talk about being forward thinking and the coverage of sports. All right. Hmm. Okay, But the the entire take that he changed the way games are covered and he changed sports coverage and everything like that, 100% real. And I wish, and there won't ever be, I wish there was another or more John Maddens out there that understood that the game should be celebrated. The game should be absolutely exciting, entertaining, and you should learn while you're watching the game. I miss John Madden already. I missed John Madden through my entire life, and I'm happy I got a chance to learn a little bit about him last night, and I would like us all to have a moment of silence for an absolute icon. The Madden Cruiser was so cool. Oh, yeah. I was watching an old Madden documentary, and we'll talk to Al Michaels, who worked with him for seven years calling games today at about 1240 or so wow. Eastern time. Wow. Oh. I want to talk to Schraggs in the second hour, who I think was part of the entire documentary process. I mean, he was promoting it very hard. Oh, yeah. So I assume he was oh, part of that, and we'll <laughs> talk more and more about him. But in the documentary I watched last night, I learned that he, he got on one plane that flew across the country, and he said immediately upon the door shutting, he had a panic attack. And he said during the flight, he wanted to rip the door off and jump off.
1: <laughs> he could have, too. <laughs> big, big guy. Big guy.
0: fucking awesomely big guy by the way I did not know that about him he said he was fast too. he (laughs) said he was fast and he said to himself if this plane gets on the ground where we're going I'm never getting on a plane again he didn't no he didn't I've said that what probably four flights a week Oh, oh yeah oh yeah Sean Madden said, I'm actually not doing it. Then he changes the entire game, says, I don't give a fuck. I'll drive across Wyoming to get to this game. And in doing so, he starts meeting people at restaurants and like kind of getting the feel of the people that he's covering and the the fans of the game. And he was an actual limb, an actual branch of the NFL was out on tour basically for six months meeting people. What a game changer! Rest in peace, John Madden. Thank you for everything, dude. Rest in peace, coach. Thank you, John. An absolute icon in the sports world. Worked alongside John Madden for seven years, calling NFL games, and was a massive, vital part of the All Madden documentary. Ladies and gentlemen, friend of the show, Al Michaels.
2: Yeah. How you doing, Al? Big friend of the show. Right. I mean, did you
0: ever get to meet John? Did you know John at all? So I actually let off the show with saying I I wasn't a video game player and he retired in 2009. That was the year I got in. So I never got to meet him at any of the games or the practices or anything. I didn't play video games, so I didn't know much about him. That documentary last night was I love. I feel like I missed out on an absolute legend of a human and obviously a broadcaster. I I, I was I was blown away by that
2: man. He was your kind of guy. I'm telling you. And you were, you were his kind of guy. You know, he, he loved to have fun. You know, with John, it was one of the great things about John is he, he didn't affect any other personality when he was on the air. When you saw John Madden, that was John Madden. That's John Madden 24-7. Uh, I call him a unicorn. He's one of a kind. He established a new template for broadcasting. You know, Pat, remember in the, uh, well, you don't remember, you probably weren't even born, but in the 70s and, and like early 80s, Definitely. Football was treated on television like a religion. And the premier announcer back in the 70s, in the Lombardi era, in the 60s, was a guy named Ray Scott. And Ray was great. Ray was a minimalist. And Ray would be the guy, you'd hear him, uh, you know, on NFL films these day, days, he would go, star, dollar, touchdown. Yeah, yeah. And that's how you did the game. He and his analyst. And then John came along. And John made the game so accessible to fans, he took everything that was complicated and made it simple. And then, you know, things like, you know, telestrating the the Gatorade bucket and then the baby bucket and the pigeon runs out on the field. And that was John. Nothing was ever scripted. It was all ad lib. And he he was a guy. One of the great things about having him as a partner, I could go anywhere with him anywhere. And I know he'd be, he'd be ready to respond in kind.
0: So Al, we were actually talking about that and we can't thank you enough for coming in and sharing even more insight on the legend that is John Madden. I I honestly believe I missed out on a lot uh, because of how old I was. And also when I retired and not getting a chance to enjoy that human as a human, we were talking earlier, everybody says he changed the game. You know, he changed the game, he changed the game, but you listen to a lot of these games. I don't think there's anybody that, did it anywhere near? Hey, it's almost like surgery at this point. Some people, and, and when I retired and I started watching games, I actually thought to myself, Hey, this is a celebration, like sports are supposed to be a celebration and fun. Aside from a couple of you broadcast booths, I think the old what you're talking about from way back, just being like methodical, this is what you do, has creeped back in. Do you feel like that is the case? And am I wrong in thinking that
2: out? Well, he he did, he spawned a lot of imitators who tried to be like him, Got but him. you're right. Some of the guys who come off the field or off the sideline, the minute you hear somebody talking about a three technique, you know what I think about? I want you to go to a mall, I want you to talk to 100 people, and I want you to find two who know what a three technique <laughs> is. Okay. I mean, how, how hard is it to explain what a three technique tackle is instead of just leaving it as a three technique? You know what I'm talking about. So, John, there was never anything that John described where you went, what? What's he really talking about? He was able to get to the essence of it, simplify the most complicated things, and and that made it so accessible and relevant and fun. He He was so much fun. You know, the other thing, Pat, about John, you know, I think back, I worked with maybe the two most iconic broadcasters ever, John and Howard Cosell, and that was a whole different story. You know, back in the seventies and eighties. And Howard, by the end of his career, Howard was morose. He didn't want to be there. And it fed on the rest of the crew. And for the last two or three years of Howard's life, and he was just he became unhappy. And it fed and he would show up at a game and he would cast a pall upon the whole crew. Yeah. John was the reverse. He couldn't wait to get to the game. We had a lot of fun and everybody who worked with him just loved him.
0: Well, I think that whole team aspect and morale is something that sometimes in the TV world doesn't necessarily happen. I I think I've gotten an opportunity to do a lot of really cool things and see a lot of places, and that... That energy being drained out of a place it can happen, especially if it's an important person. But also, the energy that can be brought by people into a thing, that is a talent in of itself, I think. Because there are some long days, especially for John, who was on this bus. The ability to show up every single day, enthusiastic, driven, and inspired. I think that's something that doesn't get talked about a lot. And you, By the way, your old ass has been doing that for a long time, <laughs> Al. Long time, man. <laughs>
2: You know, Pat, I think about, you know what it is in in almost any business? You make the people around you better, and that's what John did. You know, he, he established a standard. He had the enthusiasm. He couldn't wait to get to the game. Everybody loved being around John. It made them better. It made everybody want to go to work, enthusiastic about going to work, bring out their best. And, of course, he did that as a coach. You know, the best winning percentage of any coach in history who Won uh, 100 or more games uh, as a broadcaster, and then in the video game world, you know, when when he was involved in in the Madden game at uh, the formative stages of it, they came to him, "Can we throw your name on this game?" And and a lot of guys, you know, you, you own a restaurant, can we put your name on the restaurant? You never show up, right? You eat some, you eat across the street. With John, John not only wanted to be a a, a part of that game, he he was immersed in that game, and he got with the engineers, and he, he said. Here's what we have to do. We have to make this look like real football. And how's that worked out through the years?
0: Seven billion in total revenue, I learned, (laughs) in the all-Madden documentary that the man to our left, who not only crushes on Sunday Night Football, also a great, hey, you should be in more documentaries. The way you, Mm -hmm. hey, it was great quotes whenever you're talking about a guy you care about, I
2: assume. Hey. This is my new platform. I'm like Aaron Rodgers. I'm going on the oh, field. I, I ow. got something to say. I'm coming. I'm coming right on the show. I need AJ Hawk on the show one of these days. Yeah,
0: <laughs> okay. Well, we're very thankful that that is the case. We, I've, I got a chance to play while you, obviously, and you were you're in the NFL before me. You're in the NFL long after me. I got to meet you uh, in a pregame one time. You and uh, I think Chris were coming to talk to Vinatieri, and I was just there, and I remember shaking your hand, and introducing. My Myself to you. And then you walked away. And I said, to, I'm talking to Adam Vinatieri who's a Hall of Famer, and I'm teammates with Peyton at this point. I'm like, man, I'm fucking michaels dude this is pretty sweet and then i go back down it really is i'm very lucky that you come on the show and we're very thankful especially today to share your experiences about the icon that is john madden go ahead ty
3: al one of the things that i thought was really interesting is like you know for people from my generation why do you think it is that like they people i mean you did not really know anything about his coaching career and it seems like that would kind of like a big time football guy piss a guy like that off but like it didn't seem like he cared at all um, about what people like the younger people that they knew him from the video game and that he wasn't, you know, one of the most brilliant football minds ever. Like, th- is it because he had the respect of his peers so it didn't matter? or is he, Was he just such a jovial guy? Like, did that ever really get to him?
2: Not at all. You know, you're sitting there with a Green Bay uh, sweatshirt on. I'm thinking about would anybody know who Curly Lambeau was oh. if they didn't? If they didn't name the stadium after him, think Sold about is forced
0: out. You know, yeah.
2: Curly <laughs> Lambeau is <was laughs>
0: forced out of that now.
2: Yeah, George <laughs> Halas coached for 40 years. He owned the team, but for 10 year increments. I mean, people sort of know who Lombardi is. A lot of young people know because the trophy is named after Vince Lombardi. There were so many great coaches in those years. But, you know, everything is like the most recent thing, especially if you're younger. So, obviously, more than half the country wasn't around when John Madden was coaching. I mean, he was a fabulous coach. He he changed the template for for broadcasting. And almost everybody now who's of a certain age knows him through the video game. And that game helped to create millions and millions of of fans that never bothered John. The only thing that I, I think was hugely important to John when he finally got into the hall of fame and he was a finalist a, a number of times, Twenty eight he years? wanted, he, right. Right. Whatever it was, it was ridiculous, but he wanted to go in as a coach, as a coach only and exclusively, even though we all know at that particular point when these guys are voting, I mean, you, there's no way you, you to divorce the rest of your, of a career. From coaching, So when people were voting for John Madden to get into the Hall of Fame, they had to be thinking about what he was as a broadcaster. Yes. They had to be thinking about the video game. So it all came together. But it was very important for John to say, I got into the Hall of Fame as a coach exclusively.
0: Yeah, and that is... That moment, listening to his kids speak and his wife, Virginia, in the documentary about him getting into the Hall of Fame and them coming on stage and crying. And that that was like a very big dream and goal, it felt like, for a guy who had everything and accomplished everything, being acknowledged by his peers for his coaching gig. But contributions to the game would have got him in as well. I appreciate the fact that he's like, no, from what I did in coaching, though, please, please a little bit more respect. I, I, I like that a lot from that man. The bus. Ow, the bus, the Madden Cruiser, that play, that thing was legendary. What did you, did you guys play cards on there? Did, how did he pass the time? No internet. He read books, watched film. What did he do on that thing?
2: My over under on the bus, Pat, was one hour. That's <laughs> it, right? <laughs> so I never, I never went across the country. I never went farther than like Boston to Providence. If we had a, a a game in in Foxborough. No, the the bus was fun. We traveled to our production meetings. But, you know, there were people who went across the country with John. I don't know how he did it, but but that was the way he had to travel. because He got off a plane in 1979, and he it it was interesting. He was flying from Tampa to San Francisco, but he stopped in Houston. And he said if, if the plane lands in Houston, he's getting off the plane, which he did. So somebody has the back end of that ticket from that would probably be worth a hundred thousand dollars in some auction. The back end of the ticket from Houston to San Francisco, and he went to the train station, and he never got on a, a plane again. And I'll tell you something amazing that nobody thinks about right now: Virginia Madden, to whom he was married for sixty-two years, they celebrated their anniversary uh, last weekend. Virginia Madden at one point had a pilot's license. He <laughs> took flying lessons. She did. She took flying lessons. So, not that she manifested it, she never became a real pilot, but she she got a license. And he was John, who would never get on a plane. Never get on a plane.
0: Hey Al, we know you have a lot to talk about today. I assume there's a lot of recollection uh, and and recollecting and reminiscing. We can't thank you enough for joining
2: us, boss. Boys, you know I got to be a regular on this show. You know that. Come on. (laughs) Hey, is that real? Is that real? (laughs) Hell no. <laughs> no! No, no, no! I'm not
0: talking about the cigar. I'm talking about becoming a regular on the show.
2: Oh, hell yes! Are you kidding me? Come hell on! Yeah. You think I'm going to let Aaron Rodgers uh, take the entire show every Tuesday? <laughs> <laughs> Get me on the, uh, I tell you, Aaron, Aaron is the best. He is the best in our production meetings. The best. You know that.
0: So John Matt, actually Brett Favre talked about it. He said, anytime I walked into a production meeting and Madden was there, it was going to be a good production meeting. I assume those
2: get a bit monotonous sometimes, and then... They, they, do. they do. But, but you know, Brett was terrific. Brett would get very long-winded and expansive, and but it was Brett was fun. And Peyton Manning, of course, was terrific. Brady was great, too. And it's too bad, because when John's last year was 08, which was that Aaron was coming in. So so John really didn't get to know Aaron during that period of time. But when it comes to those meetings, I mean, Aaron is, he's fantastic in those meetings. Fantastic.
0: Well, I think he's only fantastic if he respects you. And I don't think there's anybody that doesn't respect old Al Michaels. Ladies and gentlemen, Al Michaels. Thank you, man. Joining us now, ladies and gentlemen, is a COVID survivor. Hey, college football national champion, Super Bowl champion, Ryder Cup champion, and he's back! Welcome back, AJ Haw. Hey, welcome back, hey, A-J. AJ. Welcome back, A-J. AJ. Welcome back, dude. Good welcome to see
4: back.
5: you. Yeah, good to be here. I know COVID didn't put me out any days, but I got to take care of my kids sometimes, man. Have some fun with them.
0: Oh, dad of the year! Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome
3: back, A-J. back. A-J. A-J. We miss you. A-J.
5: A-J. Hey, awesome, Dr. Drew. That was good. That was interesting to watch.
0: Okay, let's dive right into it. This, I knew that you would be loving.
5: No, I'm Uh, serious. I, I, if you recall, I got Dr. Drew booked a year and a half ago when he first came on the show with us. So it's interesting because he did at the end say, nice meeting (laughs) you guys. (laughs) And I actually said earlier today, has this guy ever been on?
0: (laughs) And it was so, both of us did not recall that conversation. But I do know, uh, especially after telling you last night where you texted me, or I texted you, I said, Dr. Drew's on tomorrow. And you said, oh, good. You were actually pretty happy about it. I'm like, here we go. Um...
5: I listen to his stuff. I listen every once in a while. I hear him with Corolla, and he does stuff with uh, Tom Segura's wife and all that. Okay, so uh, your mom's house. So let's go to why
0: we had Dr. Drew on. Okay, AJ, and I'm excited to get your take on this entire thing. Um, I was told I'm killing people. All right, (laughs) That's what I was told. I am killing people. Uh, There was a lot of conversations being had after yesterday's conversation. It was... A reaction to yesterday's show, as soon as he did the whole science thing, I actually, in the middle, as soon as he said it, I said, "woo!" That's actually what I said in the middle of a video that has like a million views right now. In the middle of it, I go, "woo!" You're going to start some shit. Okay? And it did, by the way. And then I got obviously uh, attacked, uh, uh, attached to that because... You know, I'm very lucky to have these conversations with these people, Aaron Rodgers included, who's the odds-on favorite to go back-to-back with MVP. Yep. Also, one of the, you know, deepest-thinking humans, maybe on planet Earth. So, I enjoy the fact, but I'm attached to it in the whole thing. I get told, you watch that while you're on the vacation on the internet? or we're just like, yeah, fucking yeah. This is, all. <laughs> is that what you did yesterday as you saw me? My name was trending, okay, mm-hmm. for nine hours. <laughs> and I just opened my favorite. I love Twitter. Fucking love it. It runs the internet. You know, never. It's the best place of a can also be the worst, obviously. Mm -hmm, In a a place that spreads information, where but I love i love twitter anytime i'd open it up see my name I'm like well all right i'm gonna go back <laughs> yeah. i'm all gonna go back in there you know the bill burr approach all right then i open it up i see it and i'm like well i'm killing people now i have to answer that i don't want to answer every human that is currently attacking me that's not my thing but insinuating that i am killing humans i think is you know probably where
5: i draw a line i mean uh, you can take shots i love good shit talk can't be the first time that's happened though I've, i didn't get to see any of what aaron said i i have a good feeling of what went on i know aaron texted me and said you missed a good Good one that's all i know from it but i know there's some, <laughs> some, some fallout from this see him even saying that to you people are gonna be so mad yeah. about oh aaron say it's a good one now
1: he's and, joking about killing people
0: oh, it's a good one now but anyways this show i appreciate the fact that people watch and i understand with the you know the public deal that just got announced everybody's like oh this motherfucker you know what i mean and i get it i completely get it i feel the same way about me a lot of the time. But also, I do take a lot of pride in the fact that we are like the closest thing, I think, to a football locker room. I honestly believe we yeah. uh, we are where I'm cool with people coming on this show, this platform, and people are going to come after me. But however you – there's a reason everybody feels the way they feel. And I think you just – and I even said this. I, I got to see this clip uh, when I was at West Virginia. I did this uh, thing with a guy named Murph. Rest in peace, Murph. He was a legend of a man. He worked at uh, West Virginia and the Mountaineer Sports Network. He was an editor and he did that whole thing. And... Uh I said, I feel like everybody has a story. You just got to, like, ask them in this little thing that was done. And it was on Murph's computer. And when Murph passed, somebody that guy's computer was like, hey, Murph has this. Do you remember this? It was like for some project. Something happened, right? It was for maybe something for the team. And he sent it to me. And I watched. And it was, like, crazy to see, you know, how... I mean, I was a fucking idiot then. I mean, I had a bald head at the time. I think a mustache when I was speaking. I mean, it was obviously everything. <laughs> but to hear that, I have always felt that way. Like I, I think I'm a genuinely curious person, and it's because I had the incredible experiences in sport to go, you know, learn about a lot of different people and and stuff. I mean, I was, I, I, I said this last week, and I would like to mention when I was a teenager, I played soccer in Switzerland with a kid from Brooklyn who, uh, Brooklyn, who was Muslim and was my roommate. Okay. So not only am I learning about like Switzerland and European, I also learned about the, the religion and he had, uh, a, a rug in one, a part of our room and the prayer time and like everything like that. And from where I'm from, you know, like a working class community, East Hills of Pittsburgh, that was not something that was just, you know, so I feel like, that was when I started being like, oh, okay. So I'm hearing a lot about, especially during that time, this particular world that exists out here. I'm getting a chance to meet, talk. Muhammad was the man. Great soccer player. Talked a lot of shit. I loved everything about him. And I think like those experiences that I, were very, I was very fortunate to have because of sport. Then you go into a locker room with guys from, you know, and I've said this so many times, but it should be said again, because it, I feel like it is a big part in a mantra of this show. You go in a locker room and I'm in there smoking with dudes from Compton in South Florida. I'm from Pittsburgh and there's some millionaires kid that is also in the room with us drinking. And it's like, okay, if you were to zoom out and talk, these people have nothing in common. All right. But whenever you have sport, all of a sudden there is a common thing that you're all around. So you can figure out a way to get Through the differences Through the arguments That potentially happen And you have a common goal And I, I just I think this show I take a lot of pride in the fact And I like that art our group is amazing. I am very lucky to work with whatever, but I feel like I have always kind of tried to set a standard that like, everybody can talk however they feel. I would like to hear everybody's reasoning, their story. And that is what a locker room is. And I don't know if there's a lot of people that really appreciate that at this point. And it's, it makes no sense to me. It's like, why, why would you not want to fucking learn more about people? We're in the information age. Everything is potentially available for you in your phone. But listening to other people that don't think the same as you is all of a sudden a nightmare. And I don't know why that is. And I never thought, and I said this on Instagram, I never thought I'd be the person that's the public voice. But legit, fuck it, I will be. You should be able to disagree with people, think they're idiots, and move on with your life. I just don't know how...
5: Common sense. That's absolute common sense, but... I think a lot of it comes back to that dumb people are not curious. You won't find any smart, intelligent person oh. that is not curious. I, I feel like when you look out there in the world. Well, right now you're about to get slaughtered because this, I think every any person that has, any intelligence place. any person that has any intelligence as all at all is very curious and always learning and always asking questions well i think it's paramount obviously
0: life experiences is number one and you're paramount of who you are as a human but then conversation i think is number two like i, I personally i love con- i've called myself a conversationalist for a long time i talk to fucking everybody i, I mean i literally try to talk to everybody and i enjoy it and i walk out of something and people are like oh why do you waste your time in that small talk? It's like, well, I just learned this fucking guy, just mm-hmm. did blah blah like I enjoy that type of thing. I always have, but I have to be more responsible with this program. All right, So I would like to make an announcement that this program is to hear why and how, whoever the fuck feels the way they fucking feel. And we've had to talk about all this because it is affecting the NFL mightily okay and these people in the outside world who are saying you know you're a sports show talk about sports well your fucking part of the world is now getting into ours and ruining our best time of football that's right CDC goes from 10 days to five days. The NFL does the exact same thing. Chris Mortensen reports that you actually don't even have to test negative if you haven't had symptoms for at least one day. Which Yeah, goes, that
5: upsets some people.
0: Well, that goes back to what Dr. Drew said, right? Dr. Drew said today that once you test positive for the Omicron variant, now this is what Dr. Drew is saying, who people on the Internet say isn't an actual doctor, right. even though he... He led or read off like six or seven degrees that he has mm-hmm. in different fields of medicine.
1: Oh, He's not an immunologist. Okay, whatever
0: the case, we'll look for an he's immunologist. He's not an
1: epidemiologist. Right.
0: We will look for an epidemiologist <laughs> to come on the show and do their thing. But what he said, and he said he's seen hundreds now of the Omicron variant. I think he's a practicing doctor at the time currently. He said that what they're realizing is once you test positive, you're probably no longer infectious with how short the virality of this entire thing is. So I think that's why the CDC went down, even though the Delta CEO yeah, is allegedly the fucking you. reason. Whatever the case, the NFL goes down. They say you don't even need a negative test, just no symptoms. This is the NFL saying, and the NFLPA saying, hey, we need these guys playing. Yeah. Okay. We can do We need The CDC just did this. The NFLPA is being presented that. The NFL say, we'll test on Mondays, Tuesdays, mm-hmm. okay, for this entire thing. We'll still test. We got a five-day. It's a wild time right now, but I think Carson Wentz is back. And I feel like as these protocols continue to change through the playoffs, as the games get more and more important, there's a chance that this is less of a factor. There's a chance that the real-world shit that has come into our league is less of a factor, A.J.,
5: well, just going 10 days to five is a huge factor. That's a guy can miss one game instead of two. Is Carson, like, already back? Has he already served his five days? No, 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 no. Yesterday, no. Was, yesterday was day yesterday. one. So he should be back for the next well, the next game?
0: Yes. That was kind of the report, actually. Tom Pelissero, when he read off the memo that was sent through his Neuralink, mm-hmm. he actually <laughs> alluded to Carson Wentz. For instance, Carson Wentz would be able to play by Sunday. So the, the rules, which, by the way, uh, might have come from... MSE self-report symptoms still. Yes, but the okay. vaccinated, non-vaccinated being treated the exact same in this fashion. So, okay. you know, Aaron was doing a lot of... There's two tiers here. What is this all about now that we have stats? And he was attacked
6: for... I, I mean, The, the vaccinated could still test out early before the five days as well. So the non-vaccinated have to wait five days. Correct. You get a five-day sentence, dude. Yeah, I, I was actually reading through the, the neurolink and it's pretty it's actually you don't need to be Tom up Palisaro to read through this one it's actually oh, it pretty simple oh
0: you got rocks for brains you're reading through it yourself yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay and people are going to question AJ's questioning of who's intelligent and who's not intelligent right, right by yeah. By yeah those, those people, people, let's do people it.
6: should
5: know
0: those, those people should so this is going to become some you can th- come
5: at me that's fine
0: so this is like six protocol changes
5: it's my at- opinion just like Dr. Drew has opinion so do I
0: Well, yeah, your opinion isn't science, though. It was something that was tweeted uh, yesterday. What is science? You have
3: rocks for brains. Well,
0: science is something that comes to an hypothesis, and then there's a peer review, and then, uh, dude, I don't know. I dropped out of college. Jesus. (laughs) And it was a communications
5: major. I mean, what are you? There's a lot of people with a lot of uh, degrees out there on TV that I don't think it helped them a whole lot. Well, self-awareness is a degree that I
0: think is the one. You know what I mean? Like, you should just know who you are, what you are, why you are, and what
5: people should care about coming out of your mouth, you know? And yeah. that's something
0: that—that's a degree that should be in
5: journalism school, and it is. See, and it's- realize it's not all about you. Like, you don't have to make everything about yourself. Like, if something happens, you don't yeah, have to absolutely. tie it into you and say how it affects you and what this person's doing. God, I said I was killing people for having I'm- the MVP on the that guy. Can't that can't be the first time that's happened. They've had to say that before. I haven't seen it. I mean, that's, has meant, that been the thing, though? Like, if if you're not doing exactly what somebody thinks you should do, then you're killing your grandma? Oh, right, grandma. oh yeah, I
0: guess that kind of has but, but I got vaccinated, so I was doing to you save say, my yeah, grandma. But yeah. what
5: if you, I'm sure there's some people who said you were vaxxed, but if you didn't wear four masks, your grandma, you know, you don't like her. You're basically cutting her head off. I was not attacked by any. <laughs> what the hell's wrong I, with I, you? Dude, listen, you don't have to I'm taking the... it to the extreme to show you how irrational some things can be at this moment. Yeah, you're right. Hey, thank you, for yeah,
3: that. Well done, hey, yeah,
2: thank well you. Well hey, 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 hey. Good Welcome guy. Back.
5: Good Welcome back. Anyways What happened to Connor? Uh
0: he, he so he he's well, symptomatic. funny you should ask. Self reported <laughs> symptoms, took the test. Guess who? Uh, uh, uh. Anyway, so he we don't know when he will be back. I don't know what to do now because the NFL's protocols have changed about five, six times over the last two weeks. five, six times they've changed. CDC obviously just made their change. I don't know how much the CDC has changed. I've not paid attention, but I do know that the NFL has changed a lot here since league meetings in Irving, Texas. Now there's an entire new memorandum that has to be filled out. This could all be different tomorrow. Right? I mean, this could all be different tomorrow or next week. or how And it about- probably
5: should change, shouldn't it, as like the science changes and we learn more about this? Well, the science changing. You need to stop questioning. I, I- guess the virus changing us learning more about it. <laughs> I mean, you, you're really dancing with this uh, medical community <laughs> with the way you're speaking. I don't have about. any answers. I told you. I don't have any answers. But I'm saying, shouldn't they always be reevaluating what they're doing?
0: Yes, the NFL will continue to do that. But w- what I'm saying is, by the time Super Wild Card Weekend comes... There's no way the NFL is going to have anybody miss those games.
3: No, I think at the very least, this means that from here on out, like, we aren't going to see anyone sitting out longer for five days. Like, they might drop it down because, like you said, like, they they saw that graphic that we used yesterday and they said, hey, guess what? We're not fucking doing that another weekend. Okay. These guys got to play. They had similar
0: graphics. Yeah. I assume they made their graphics and they had a uh, pointer, probably. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. Here's the COVID cases. All right. Here's severity all right here's here's all of our players money that we spent that isn't playing and then here's the ratings okay so we need to figure this one out <laughs> we need to figure this thing out let's give a call to the cdc and the delta ceo yeah you know that's what people will say actually happened mm-hmm.
5: i mean wait what would what, what the delta ceo do uh
0: well dr drew debunked it dr drew debunked it what, what I, was the theory Well, the internet immediately upon the CDC dropping from 10 days to five days, which immediately changed the NFL protocol, which is great news for us. uh, The Delta CEO is trending because the Delta CEO spoke to the CDC and said, hey, listen, we can't have fucking 4,000 flights being delayed or canceled over the holidays. We're losing our ass. So the CDC, the next day, <laughs> CDC, the next day said, all right, we'll go 10 days to five days. Then. And Bastion's piss. Change it. How about that? The Delta CEO is the first person ever to go to CDC and say, hey, I'm losing money or I'm making money. And making it. <laughs> That's crazy, man. It's fuck. I, I just, that is the thing that I wanted to ask Dr. Drew. I don't know enough about it, but I see these things happen where I'm like, how has this, let's move along. Super Wild Card Weekend. Super Wild Card Weekend. <laughs> we, what, should, we
3: should have some stars out yeah. there.
0: I think they will. They want to have that weekend. Is that not? Best weekend ever. Best. It's all the best teams. Yeah. There's a lot on the line. There's nothing else on. No. All day Saturday. All day Sunday. Let's go meaningful football. And now one on Monday. And yeah, Monday night yeah, game as well. It. I mean, Super Wild Card Weekend <laughs> is inching its way into, thank God it's Monday. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be awesome. There's no way the NFL. And here's another thought, too. You get it. Like, Carson has the five-day sentence. He's not tested for 90 days, which is after the Super Bowl. So now there's a whole conversation, and Diggs brought it up to me while we're uh, crossing uh, swords with paths to go piss. Streams. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're, we're crossing paths. He was going out. I was going in. But we were both doing the sure. same thing. He said... Um, is there a thought to be had that everybody should get it right now if you're on a playoff-running team so you
6: don't even have
5: to get tested for the rest if of
0: the way? already
6: clinched, you might as well go lick things.
5: Is people rest players. People if, said that about Alabama early on. Remember when they had a bunch of guys get it before the season started? Yeah, and this happened for the Dallas Stars, too, I think, to start yep. this NHL season. The Dallas Stars, everybody
0: Last
1: season, but you mentioned the Cowboys are one of the teams that is poised to go to run and haven't had a massive yeah. outbreak, I don't believe, and they could be looking at something soon because it seems like it's gotten everyone they've managed to stay away from it so far somehow but if that hits in the next couple of weeks
0: maybe well, what do they got in Jerry World? Do you think they have those car wash things? Remember teams yeah. had those? Uh, yeah. Broncos.
5: Denver, yeah. yeah. Turns out those were actually spreading COVID more. Maybe <laughs> Jerry over. walks the locker room at like four times a day spraying it like we saw early on. It's, probably, like they were doing it's probably all that salt on the... uh yeah. or, or dogs. Yeah. Maybe they got
0: dogs. Oh, they got the COVID-sniffing dogs yeah, that were down at the Miami guaranteed. Heat game. You remember them when... That, what was that, 15 months ago? No, no. that's going to be actually in a video I'm making right now. <laughs> yeah? yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How come... Where are these dogs? Let's get Caesar... And let's get yeah. any the Soma brother who's a dog trainer.
1: Vinny. Shout out Vinny.
0: Vinny Soma. Yeah. Who, there's a very popular dog trainer from our hometown. Mm.
5: Coach JB is a dog breeder and trainer,
0: yeah. right? Okay. We should get that. That Ash dog is a beautiful dog. Nice. Oh, yeah. Mm. I and mean, it's a beautiful dog. Be, I don't know if we need JB doing this. I'm not sure he is the proper guy to be teaching <laughs> dogs how to smell COVID. How come we weren't doing that? Why wasn't that the full focus at one point? Miami Heat. Dogs smelling COVID, come to the game, don't be scared. These dogs will make sure nobody has COVID coming in. There was no COVID outbreak, right? No. So the dog sniffers were accurate. Yeah. Then he bounced, they were at some other event. And now, maybe Jerry does have that entire facility <laughs> outlined and surrounded by the COVID testing uh, dogs.
1: It's also possible that the dogs themselves got COVID and lost their yep. sense of smell. Only to the weak.
0: So there was only a couple dogs that really kept their...
5: their I would imagine PETA went after him, didn't they? And say you're exposing these dogs to COVID? Because they... Remember like a tiger tested positive early on in a zoo and
6: people Cats. Only cats could get
5: it. Bro, when I had COVID,
0: when I had COVID, I was scared when my three-legged cat Scootsie would come in a room. I'm like, Scootsie, I'd like to say hello to you. But I am not Put a little mask on him. Well, Scootsy's, you know, feisty. Mm -hmm. Only got three legs, Scoots around. I don't know if we would have been able to strap up to the the ears. She's like forever a kitten, but that was at a time that happened. You're right. Maybe it was Peta coming after and shutting it down, but Peta had to have gone after a guy who was all the way back, allegedly. So, I mean, there's Mm – what do we know? We don't know shit about fuck. Let's move along here. Let's talk a little football before we get Peter Schrager on here to chit-chat about John Madden passing away. Did you know John Madden? Did you get a chance to meet him? I So – when
5: was his last year in the league uh al michael said 2008 on the documentary he said he retired in 2009 so last okay game. i think he worked a few games because like, i played in the those thanksgiving games a lot i don't know if he worked at thanksgiving game that i was in but i'm sure i, I met him yeah that's it but yeah he was the man everything about him like i had that's the last gaming system i had was super nintendo and i used to play madden on super nintendo back when i was like 10. did you did you uh go to those production meetings every week uh, not every week, but I went to them a decent amount. You were the one from the defense
0: that was asked. I mean, Mike got to see on you, AJ mm-hmm. Hawk. Hey, we need him in the production. No, it just depends on the year, and time. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes. Because Al Michael said, and Brett Favre said, John Madden in those production meetings was just amazing. It was awesome. It was a good time. Do those get a
5: bit boring? I, I guess it depends on the crew. Like, I knew, uh, like, Saragusa. I remember, he was on a crew for a little while. Like, I was in a few of them with, with Saragusa and Moose. Like, they were, those were a lot of fun. I would just, Pepper Saragusa pumping up, telling about, like, hey man, you were great in Twenty Fifth Hour, like
1: all the movies that he.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what was he? He was in that remodeling show too. He was, uh yeah. he was like remodeling a man cave type show. He yeah. was in
1: Spurinos for a little bit too. Mm-hmm.
0: Fucking love Saragusa. There's another guy, by the way, changed the way his sports was covered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Saragusa. He had that role on the field that so, changed yeah. the game. Yeah, changed the game. He did that entire thing. We, you and I, sat in my first ever production meeting with Baylor. I'd never been invited to one of those. I didn't even know this happened.
5: I had no idea that even happened, really. And we're talking to those kids. There's no way I did it right. I mean, there's no way. No, you're great. There's no, there's no right or wrong way to do it. You're just trying to get a little bit of info that you can use during the game. And I think you did that well. As soon as I walked in when I did that Lions-Packers one, every human that walked into the room started laughing whenever they opened the door.
1: <laughs> What's that it, about?
0: It was Joe Philbin. Joe Philbin and I had a great relationship. Yeah. He was the interim head coach. He's the man. Joe's the man. Joe opens the door, looks at me starts laughing and smiling and sits down you know and i didn't ask the first question somebody um i forget who
1: who the uh, robert smith
3: robert smith. Uh,
0: yeah, robert smith might ask the first question. i forget who was the play by play there was the same uh wasn't it the- oh kutcher just uh kutcher sean Question? whatever great guy they started to think <laughs> sean was with me and you but yeah uh they're all great people incredible people amazing guy. people mm-hmm. unbelievable people whenever they they were asking questions and then it got to me to ask a question you know philbin like changed his entire stance and looked at me and i'm like how's it going dude that's literally that was my <laughs> that was my question and then just like a conversation happened and then aaron came in Right then, Aaron came in, and then the linebacker came in, and then we go over to, to Detroit. And Stafford's the first one. As soon as Stafford op- comes in the room, he just starts laughing, and he looks at me, and uh, we start having a conversation. And I feel like he got into like some of his cliche answers he gives in every one of those things. So I hit him with some other stuff, and he kind of opened up a little bit. Then Patricia comes in, starts laugh like dying, laughing basically. I guess he hates the media. I guess, <laughs> I guess that is that's something that he does. So uh, their PR was like, "Hey, best one he's ever had." Those things, that's a part of the job that I could see getting a bit old. You know, like uh, for yeah. You, but the good thing is, for though, them.
5: for you mean as a coach, or if you're part of the production crew, for everybody. You but know? if you're part of the produ- production crew, you have complete control of. You can shut. If like you're not getting anything or it's not good, you could just move on. Like, all right, thanks, coach. That's all we got for you. Let's bring in somebody that'll actually talk to us.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's kind of. It's kind of how it goes. Learning about John Madden was awesome. Uh, joining us now is a man who's probably been a part of those conversations. He was at the game when the Colts beat the Cardinals. Really? I believe he was on the coverage, wasn't he? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh, he on the side line. Line. Yeah, he
0: was on the sideline crushing it. It yes. was it was very different. Now it was on a TV in the background. You know, we're having a good time watching. Didn't get to hear all of his work. But Schrags knows all the ins and outs about everything happening around everywhere. Mm -hmm. He's the one who texted me last night and said, watch the All Madden documentary tonight. I watched it. I loved it. Can't wait to hear this man's insight on the icon that is John Madden. Ladies and gentlemen, Peter Schrags. (laughs)
4: What's up, dude? What's up, man? Um, You're talking about the production meetings. That's how I built a lot of my relationships because I was a sideline reporter for years for Fox. And you get in a room with Hugh Jackson and the team is five and ten and Hugh's got to spend 30 minutes with you so you just start building relationships and I Madden apparently is the legend of the production meeting where yes they would occur on his bus a lot of times but apparently all the guys who ever worked on a Madden crew it's like you would pay to be in those production meetings because of what a good time it was and how you'd see different sides of players so Pat you saw the Lions and the, the Packers or whatever you saw Um, that's every week for these crews and if you have a good good chemistry with your crew you're going to get the most out of these players
0: that's awesome to hear and Shregs I didn't know you were a sideline guy because I saw you doing it on Christmas there when the Colts with that every player on their team beat the Cardinals hell yeah that's a shame, because I do love that Cardinals team. I didn't know that was it was the goal, just to do whatever in TV. And how when, Did you ever
4: meet John Madden? Were you around John Madden? Has he changed the way you've done television at all? No, I never met John Madden, and that's unfortunate, obviously, with his passing. But I'm like a generation right after where he was working. So I got into TV stuff around 2014, 2015, and I went from being a sports writer to similar to you where it was like end of the end of the year week 15 week 16 and Jacob Ullman at Fox was like we need a sideline guy you want to try it and I'm like hell yeah I want to try it knocked it out of the park and then was put on a crew the following year and I did it for about four years I worked with John Lynch with Chris Spielman with Charles Davis Tom Brenneman um, countless guys Kevin Burkhart and then eventually I got moved into the studio but I love the sidelines so when NFL Network had these games um they asked me if I'd be on the sidelines for Saturday Christmas. And I was like, absolutely. So a chance to be there was great. And I got the littlest things, Pat, like had a long talk with Colt McCoy before the game, had a long talk with Frank Reich before the game, Chris Ballard's walking by. We talked for 15 minutes, cut it up. And we talked ch- talk about what they've got going on in their team. Like, it is so important to be boots on the ground in my role, and the opportunity to do it is great. And the nuggets I give are a little different than maybe other sideline reporters. Everyone's got their own thing, but mine is usually in-game, like what I'm seeing on the sideline. bolt yeah. okay. McCoy didn't really have the, the laces the right way. You saw that with the hold, and I'm like, oh, all right. Let's... I love that stuff. Yeah, okay. Shreve. Shreve.
0: Back boots on the ground. You know, he's an Emmy-nominated yeah. studio host. Now he's back on the grass. What do you got, AJ? Hey, Shregs. Hey, Olman's AJ's
5: guy. Olman's AJ's guy, Shregs. Yeah, yeah, Jacob's a big wrestling guy, too. That's why I know he and Pat vibe with that. But, Shregs, when you – let's say you're with the crew. I know you've always had seems like great crews, and I'm sure you're a guy that brings people together. But when crews go bad or they don't get along, is it ego? Because I know there's plenty of play-by-play people that have had gigantic egos over the years. (laughs) And I, I mean, obviously the color commentary, yes, big egos, but I know that I've heard stories from producers and execs all over when they tell stories about some of these play-by-play people.
4: You know what? I've been fortunate. I've only, like, if you know the guys that I've worked, like, I work with Spielman. It's just, if you could talk ball, like, you're good. You know, like, Spielman's not looking for a popularity contest. Charles Davis is the nicest guy to walk this earth. Kevin Burkhardt, like, John Lynch. He's there, like, so I haven't been a part of one of those Really? Guys. These are
5: all really, really solid dudes you're naming? Yeah, you're
4: right. They're, <laughs> like, good guys. Like, I haven't had the opportunity to meet, to work with an ass. Or, like Coleman. Or a play-by-play guy <laughs> who's a prick. But usually it's... Friday nights, like you go out for a great dinner, and then Saturdays, you're hanging around watching college football in a conference room in a hotel, and you're just busting balls and having a good time. So, no, I, I I'm sure it would be a pain in the ass uh, if there was that case.
0: Okay, so Adam Amin, I want to give a shout out to. Mm-hmm. I love that dude. I, I got to play, do those Thursday night football games with him and Hasselbeck. And uh, Molly was on the sideline. And the amount of times people told me, like, you should be very thankful for how much Adam and Mean let you talk or whatever. Oof. And I, uh, like, a lot of people are telling me that. And I was like, well, all right, fuck you. you, so, you. <laughs> so, all right, that whole thing. But I did, I did go and tell Adam and Mean, because I assume that's in that community of that sphere, which you're supposed to. I'm like, Adam, like, I appreciate how smart you are, are, how prepared you are, and how much better you make me and kind of let me go. And he basically said like, uh, no, he loves me and the, the chemistry was good. But then I, you know, one night we went out, we had a little dinner, which is a big part of that entire thing. And you know, you start hearing stories from the other, uh, like, you know, Molly has been an OG in the game crushing it for a long time and then Hasselbeck telling a story then a producer telling a story about what AJ just said and I like looked at him I'm like man I really appreciate you like, yeah. I, because it, in that all Madden documentary who was the uh, first play by was it Ebersol? I think it was Dick Ebersol. I'm not 100% sure the first one basically didn't want to work with John Madden it was like no I'm not doing this this isn't how it's done and then as soon as they got together it be, maybe it was Pat Summerall no I'm not sure which one was the first but there was somebody that didn't want to do it that's interesting because you
4: can hear that over the air when you're hearing a game, whether or not the two like each other or not. Don't you think? Absolutely. And I'll add to it, like the producer matters a lot. So if I'm a sideline reporter, which is the only role I've had um, on these broadcasts, I've got a little button oh, and I yeah. can go up oh, to yeah, the producer I know that. and speak into the producer's ear and say, hey, I got something. I got something. And it's up to the producer. The producer might say, go fuck off. I don't I don't care. Like doesn't add to the game. Um, I've been fortunate guys like Pete Machesca at Fox and, and Richie Zion, and then my guy is Mark Titleman The team man is his name who I did years with oh, I usually team had team green man. light They knew I wasn't going to abuse it because a lot of times when you're watching the broadcast You want the flow of the game You're not looking for the story that was from last Tuesday in the fourth quarter like well, you know Earlier this week this guy went to this charity thing like not not in the fourth quarter Like you got to know the context yeah. and the flow of the game So I think that you build that earn of that trust with the crew um, But to your point, you could tell that John and Pat were best of friends. You could tell that Al Michaels, he just had on and John, got along great. And you could tell that Joe, Troy, Aaron, and now Rinaldi, they all get along really well. Like you could tell it on the broadcast. So
0: I had to do that sideline thing for one XFL game, you know, and I, I didn't go to broadcast school. I was actually not allowed in broadcast. I wasn't invited. I didn't get into broadcast boot camp no. three, three times. Isn't that funny? Hmm. Three times. No, thank you. I think Ullman sits on the board of that. I think I think he's <laughs> I, I do Ullman. believe Ullman is a part of that entire thing. Yeah, but I wasn't even invited there. So I know none of the rules, right? I'm just kind of doing what people think. When I was told I was gonna have to ask for permission to speak, and then they they would maybe give me an okay and then send it to me, I was like, well, I'm not a that's not what I do. Like, that is not going to, I'm not asking for permission. And by the way, by the time it gets to me, what I was going to say, which is what I think I'm here for. My observance stuff is already gone. You know, the, the whole art of television is interesting. And now Michael's talked about that with John Madden, where he came in, he wanted to be there. He's uplifting. everybody. He's making everybody better. He's asking questions in a documentary I watched. Uh, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm bummed that I never really got to experience him because I didn't play the video game and I didn't really, it's just, I'm a little bit bummed. Now, let's talk about you, Shregs.
4: Wait, wait I mean, real quick. I said it on Good Morning Football today and I a lot of your followers and your fans like tweeted at me about it. I said, like, a lot of what you're doing right now, like, that's a direct connection to what Madden was doing. He's himself. He was authentic. He was completely on his own nice terms. that. Whether you want to believe it or not, you're doing something right now with AJ that no one else in sports media has done, and you're doing it with your boys in that room in Indianapolis on your own terms. And that's what Madden did when he first broke through. It was John Madden wanted to call the game like John Madden wanted to call the game. Before him, it was very proper X's and O's. The play-by-play guy talks. I chime Mm. in. Coach. Madden was like, we're gonna talk about the guys, the smoke coming off the guy's head, or this guy's got cankles. And it was so welcome. And that's what you're bringing to your audience every day. That is very, very
0: nice of you, especially to do that on Good Morning Football. I appreciate that. And after watching last night's documentary, that is one of the biggest compliments I think you could give anybody in this. It was interesting seeing all the executives that were in that that are still in positions of power, you know, last night. That was very fascinating and I appreciate yeah, you recognize what you just said. That's very very nice of you cuz as I was watching it, I was actually thinking to myself, this is a fucking legend right here. This <laughs> he, he's doing his own like as I was watching, I was like this should be the guy that I you know kind of I don't want to say Put on a but almost like hey this is kind of him and Chuck and I, I Charles Barkley is another guy that I love I absolutely love him coming on the show it's like okay these two kind of broke the mold it feels like and although I didn't know that about Madden now that I'm known I'm very appreciative very nice of you let's talk about your show that is Emmy nominated every single okay <laughs> uh, thank you for the kind words to and I spoke for AJ there I'm sorry pal but I do that a lot it's I I'm sorry. Shout out to the play-by-play and AJ, because I speak a lot. Until um, <laughs> the boys, obviously, for what Frank just said. Very, very nice of you. Let's talk about your show. You guys are all remote right now. Is that because it's the holidays? Omnicron? Uh, the show's still great, by the way. We watch every morning. I didn't hear you say that, but I appreciate you saying that. You, is it because
4: of the Omnicron? Is that kind of what's going on? Well, there's no like direct case, but New York City's uh, on fire with the Omicron, so to be safe during the holidays, said, so "Let's take five days. Let's all just chill out." And then I think next week the hope is we'll be back in studio. But it was a combination of Christmas week. We have the capability of going home. They built these home studios in our uh, apartments and homes. So they said, let's use them for this week. But I think it was out of an abundance of caution and uh, just making sure that we can get the show on air and there not be any fears because just about one in four NFL players have tested positive for COVID this month. I think just about one in two New Yorkers has tested positive for COVID this month as well. Jeez!
5: Wow, Shregs so are pivoting away from that going on to what's going on in the field. I know you have relationships all over the league, but Sean McVeigh, you guys did a great podcast together. The Rams seem to be rolling like what are your thoughts on on how they're doing going into the playoffs how matthew stafford is going to be like can you can you sense any
4: uh i don't know excitement out of there yeah yeah yeah. look the, the the things that they're excited about and i speak to not only sean but other folks on the coaching staff and in the front office is that stafford did not play the best game last week against minnesota and he did not play great against seattle and they're like we're gonna have to rely on sony michelle the offensive line, and a good defensive effort to get out of these games, and they won both of them. They beat Seattle. Now, yes, the ref helped on that fourth and sixth but not throwing the flag. But that Minnesota game, they were without Whitworth, no nope, boom, and then the center went down. And Stafford threw three picks, and they're like, you know what? We need a special teams touchdown. We need the defense to make some stops. And then we need Sony to be good. Sony Michelle leads all rushers in the month of December, has the most rushing yards 423, more than Jonathan Taylor, more than uh, Rashad Penny, more than all these guys that are winning for your fantasy leagues. Sony Michelle's been the glue. So, AJ, they have that, and they activated Cam Akers. Now, everyone is texting me and tweeting me about Fantasy League. Look, they play this weekend a game against the Ravens. I don't know if we're going to see Cam Akers this weekend. I don't know if we're going to see him week 18. The hope is that, is that they definitely this? Holy shit. in the playoffs. So <laughs> I, I would be a little cautious in inserting Cam Akers as you're running back one in fantasy this week. I would say let's play that to game time.
0: All right. I like what you did there for Sony and your connections in L.A. All right. I do appreciate what you said there. But let's talk about the guy the MVP running back right now currently, the only one in uh, discussions. You've got to cover the game. you got to chat with Frank Wright, Chris Ballard. They're out a bunch of players because of COVID. Carson's going to be able to make it back, allegedly. But what is it about that team you think that has them – like, what do you think they think it is – Because of why they're so good. I watch Hard Knocks. Is it because Hard Knocks is forcing them all to do the right thing all the time because they're being watched? So, like, the coaches have to say the right thing all the time. Players have to be awake in every single meeting because there is literally a PTZ pan-tilt-zoom camera staring at all of them. Entire Is that
4: why they're so good? Did they mention that? Has that been talked about? Well, let's start with Taylor. The crazy thing about Jonathan Taylor is that he's the most patient runner in the league. Like, this is what Le'Veon Bell used to be. He would just wait there behind the line of scrimmage, look for a hole, hit it. And then he's the fastest running back in the league. He hits 20 miles per hour when he hits open field. You saw the touchdown that he had against the Patriots. He also had a big run to start the game against the Cardinals. So he's big, he's reliable, he's patient. And speaking with the guys at the Colts, He's one of the smartest players on the team. It's almost as if you've got an extension of the coaching staff when you talk to Jonathan Taylor. He gets football, so he knows assignments. He knows scheme, and he knows where to run the ball. As for the rest of them, they're a great bunch of dudes, but they're really well coached. Frank Reich is a really good coach. Eberflus, you want to talk about right to the offensive line coaching, and then the the guy that I was talking about, Bubba Ventrone on special teams, he's their hype guy, and he's been great on hard knocks as well. All of these guys are top of their field, whether it be Press Taylor or Mike Groh. All these guys have a lot of experience, and it's like from top to bottom, that team is so buttoned up that when Quentin Nelson and Darius Leonard are both out and they find that out 48 hours and 24 hours before a game, they're kind of nonplussed. They're like, let's go just do what we do. We've got to go win football, and then – Carson made the big throw when he had to, which is probably the first time he's done that all season. Don't want to break up
0: this incredible conversation. HBO actually sent us a clip from tonight's Hard uh, Hard Knocks about the moment they found out about Quentin Nelson. This is an exclusive, by the way, from inside uh, the thing. And you're right to what you just said. They heard they lost Q, they lost Darius. They didn't even blink. Here's an actual clip from Hard Knocks tonight, HBO. Hey Parks, can you do
5: me a favor? Can you text Tyler? And tell them to bring my phone here because I keep getting these halo messages and I want to make sure it's not a COVID thing. Well, it is
7: COVID thing, Frank.
2: Excuse me. It is COVID.
5: Is it? Is it? What is it?
2: You? Oh, you? Oh, you?
5: Don't panic. You're on camera.
1: we're good. Okay. Hey, so just remember that our whole mode was just solving issues, and that's what we're doing right now. So let's not be down in the dauber, right? We get it. We got a couple of our guys down, three of our guys down. Now, I mean, this is pro football, and our mode needs to be, let's go. Let's go. Let's solve it. The goodness is, we got great players in this room, right? By far the best group I've ever coached in terms of depth. Starting five, depth behind that, so we're good. We're good to roll, right? And there's no question in my mind, we're gonna go down there and kick these guys. I have no doubt about that, okay? So, love moments like this,
5: right? I mean, I'm not happy about Q test
8: positive, but I love overcoming those things.
0: sick Now he's Yeah. Hey, good news, Frank. You did. All um, right. You did. And that yeah. is that is what hard knocks and why hard knocks is so awesome. And shout out to HBO sending us that, by the way. Yeah. Thank you yeah, shout out. Out. It's
4: exclusive for tonight's show. Uh, that is that kind of just the, the feeling you had when you were talking that, to him on the ground? huh? That's the vibe. And they went they lost another lineman during the game. Uh, they had another injury and Jack Doyle left the game. So they were down four offensive linemen in their blocking tight end. Then Jonathan Taylor just gobbled up yards the entire day for 100 plus. That's Frank Reich in a nutshell. And he is as steady as it comes. And if you speak with him, it you know, that kind of news would happen. Like, if my kids' school is shut down, I'm throwing shit across my apartment. <laughs> he loses he loses Quentin Nelson, and it's like, I like this opportunity. This is an opportunity for us to overcome. Like, he's the real deal. He's the real deal. And they've been they've been really lucky there because you know how much I love Chuck Pagano, and he was the real deal too. So yeah. it's a great passing of the torch from Dungey to Caldwell to Pagano, and now you've got another gem in with Frank Reich. Hey, Shregs, are there any, any teams out
5: there that you may be looking at that are on the bubble or they're going to scratch the way into the playoffs and can actually make a
4: run that people aren't really talking about? Yeah, I think Philly's interesting because of what they do. They they beat the crap out of teams with the run game. And I'm not a big, hey, uh, you know, when, when January comes, Jalen Hurts is going to have to make the big pat because he might not have to. like. He might not have to. If you can gobble up 200 yards on the ground every game, you're going to be in games. And we talk about players as comeback players. It's usually like a guy who's coming back from like a devastating injury or something like that. But Darius Slay has been as good as any corner in the league. Lane Johnson's been as good as any offensive lineman in the league. And they found their identity with Sirianni midway through the season. And as much as we talk about the Dolphins winning all these games, the Eagles are winning all these games too – and they're pounding team. So I wouldn't want to face Philly uh, in the playoffs. They, they play angry and in the trenches. They're as good as anyone on offense and on defense.
6: Uh, go ahead, Dix. Shanks, first off, we've noticed recently on Good Morning Football that you've been glowing recently. So yeah, good on. glow. Hey, glow. Late
0: in the season too, not easy. I guess yeah. he's getting Super Bowl glow.
6: Yeah. Uh, but you, you know a bunch about coaching and the coaching circles around the NFL. The Jaguars requested interviews of six um, coordinators yesterday, and then they brought in um, – who they bring in? Philadelphia. Doug Peterson. Peterson. Uh, do you have any inklings of maybe where they're going to go?
4: No, I'm curious to see how the Peterson interview goes because I think it's tomorrow. I don't know if I'm breaking news there. I think Doug's interviewing tomorrow with them. and You're not. It, it could be a drastic difference if it's, you know, you go to Doug Peterson or, or you go to Jim Caldwell or you go to one of these guys who has, has the, the, the binder and says, here's how it's done, let's get this thing back on track. Or if you're like, hey, uh, you know, let's, let's go with Byron Leftwich, who's never been a head coach and has, and has been with Arians for all those years in Arizona and now Tampa Bay. So curious to see who gets the next round of interviews, if they're going to do a next round of interviews, but they can go one of two ways. First year, young, fresh face, let's restart this whole thing, or they can say, hey, let's bring back one of those guys and get this thing back on track and kind of get this thing back to where it should be because this year was as catastrophic as it could have been.
0: So if you're Shad Khan, you're looking in the mirror, you're saying, all right, we brought in Tom Coughlin, oldest of old school. That failed. Uh, we brought in Doug Marone, who actually quit another head coaching job because he thought he was just going to be able to get any head coaching job. Became a coordinator and then got a head coaching job. He was a highly sought after head coach who had been a head coach before. That didn't work out. Now you bring in Urban Meyer, never coached in the NFL, had no clue, going to change the NFL. By the way, don't like the way they do business. We're going to rebuild an entire city within Duval County. What do you think? I mean, if you're Shad Khan, you have to be just absolutely mind blown about why you continue to suck in this investment that should be great for you, especially as a guy who has figured out a lot of different ventures. You know, that, that,
4: I, that is not an easy decision at all. For instance, I'll, at I'll all. Go, yeah, go ahead. I'll go further on this. So I was very uh, in the weeds on their hiring process last time, and it was Urban, was their one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine top choice. And then they interviewed Sala and Arthur Smith. And I think Raheem got an interview down there and it was almost like they were doing they were just kind of doing it in less in case Urban didn't want it. But like they courted Urban on the yacht. It was all the whole thing. It was like Urban was the apple of their eye. Was it and all
5: it, Shod though, Shregs? Was it all Shod no, pushing this? Yeah, Big Ten, I, right? Big Ten.
4: I think it was the whole organization there. And uh, who's the guy you are talking who, who do you what'd you say? Big Who? Big Who? Who'd you say?
3: Big 10. Big 10. Big 10.
4: <laughs> Big 10. So allegedly
0: it was at, the, at a Big 10 conference in Illinois. Yeah. Shod was there like years ago. That's when he and Urban connected. And Urban has always been this Big 10 god. And Urban was supposed to be like a person he could lean on or learn from about hiring. And then it just became him. Is that an accurate way? And
4: is that what you're trying to describe here? Think that's what i'm saying so like the urban was their white whale he was their north star they got him and it was like we, we reeled him in no one else could get him we got him i don't even know if there was a line of suitors for urban meyer but the jaguars were so in that they almost didn't go through the process last year the way that you might have should have if you were hiring fresh so salah came through and arthur smith came through and raheem came through but like there never was this great desire now though they got to look at it and i'll give you a name who was there for years under Marone. And is now in Green Bay with Aaron Garden and Mitchell. the offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett, who <laughs> interviewed last year with Atlanta. And Rogers does not do this. Rogers called up Atlanta, from what I'm told, and was like, "You got to really consider Hackett." Like Hackett used him as a reference. And Rogers is hey, it's Rogers. He could do it. He doesn't have to do it. But the way he's connecting with Rogers and the way that the players respond to Hackett Don't is even. <laughs> he was the OC Roger when to Bortles to Jacksonville. He was the O.C. when Bortles oh, was the guy, okay. and they took him to the AFC Championship game. Hackett might be a hot name after this season, whether it Seems is. like a done like, deal. Aaron Rodgers is going to be a Jaguar. Wow.
0: I mean, Jacksonville has no idea. Those people down in Duval are like, we're the stock right now. Okay, we got two games in England every goddamn year. We, uh, this team is half here, half there, Trevor half Lawrence. everywhere. Trevor Lawrence is a Packer,
1: then? Oh, Florida oh gets real loose with their mandate. Oh, that is oh
0: interesting. <laughs> my. Nathaniel That's interesting Hackett. The Trevor Lawrence swap. Oh, I mean, oh no. oh no, no, Jordan Love, dude. Uh, anyway, yeah. we're just telling you what the internet's going to do. We're just Pete. We're hey, if,
3: if he's not had- going to fucking Jacksonville, <laughs> Hey, Mike. We're just hey. saying
0: it's not about I that.
3: Think he likes
5: warm weather.
3: He like loves warm hey, weather. He's closing those beaches in Florida.
1: Nah, and those taxes ain't nothing in the state down there. He's been growing that hair out for something. Yeah. Oh,
5: old white,
0: old white dude, going retire in Florida. Florida man. Oh my, he's been a Florida man. Oh all right, we need, man. We don't need to uh, we don't need to dive into that anymore. I'm just saying where Hackett goes, I assume there's gonna be a lot of conversation about oh, or Aaron and Devontae potentially following yeah. this guy that they love that's so much their references. I'm not saying that's gonna happen, okay? We're all love yeah. in Green Bay right now. We're all love <laughs> nice in Green Bay. Bay right now, but I'm just saying that's gonna be talked about. These are the things that have to be talked about. And that's what the
3: show is. Go ahead, Ty. Uh, Speaking of the Packers, Schrags, I saw they activated Jair Alexander today. Is there any chance he's going to play on Sunday? What about Bakhtiari? You got any other tasty tidbits on guys who might be coming back this weekend? Tasty
4: tidbits. Look, they had to get Jair back on the active roster if they could even play him for the playoffs. So I think that was one of those deals. Let's get him back now. But I... I, you know, I spoke with a source of the Packers, I guess it was when they played the Ravens. So that was two weeks ago. And I'm like, Bakhtiari practice? Like, are we, no timetable, like no timetable. So I don't know where we're at two weeks later, but I think the hope is that both those guys can go in January. And what a story that would be that they didn't play the entire regular season. And then suddenly they're in the lineups and they're back and healthy. It'd be pretty cool.
0: It would be pretty cool. Just like it's cool that you stop by and chit chat with us every once in a while. We see you on TV and you come onto our show. We can't thank you enough, Shrinks. Thanks, guys. You guys are awesome. No, you're awesome. Thanks for that massive compliment, man. We very much appreciate it. Please tell Olman
4: and Shanks and everybody we said hello, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I'll tell you this, Pat McAfee. You have your studio in Indianapolis that you guys built with your own two hands, just like Madden had his cruiser. So there you go. To be clear, we hired people to do this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, ladies and gentlemen, Pierre Shragger.
0: <laughs> now that the world's opening back up, so many new thrills. Let's go back a sentence or two. Okay, okay. When you, when the moment comes, you want to be ready. Hell, that's yeah. true. Yeah. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for erectile dysfunction, Ooh. all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Once you take care of that, though, you get the Roman swipes. And guess what? Ha! Huh? Lasts a long time. Banging up, banging up, banging bang up. It. Yeah, it's yeah. Pete Alonzo at the all, yes. at the home run derby. Boom! Right. Dingers <laughs> downtown. Bingo. For the first time ever, joining us right now. Yes. yes, From Atlanta, Georgia, by way of Stanford. Man only played 13 games of college football before being drafted number 67 overall to the Houston Texans, which we all thought was actually on fire throughout most of this season. Has played really fucking good football. Ladies and gentlemen, Davis
9: Mills. Yeah! That was a big time intro.
0: Well, you're a big time guy, dude. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey listen, Davis, I don't know if you know anything about our show. We, we called you Doug, okay? <laughs> because whenever you were starting, the thing that we saw on the internet said D Mills. All right. And Mm -hmm. we are dumb. We are stupid. And we only watch the NFL. I don't know much about college, although I understand it's great. So we thought it was Doug Mills. And by we, I mean me. And we've kind of, you know, you are Dougie Mills to us. And I want to (laughs) let you know that it's incredibly offensive. You don't deserve it. You are a great fucking quarterback, dude. And I assume uh, you left early. After only playing 13 games, you got red-shirted, then you played three years. I think there was only five games in 2020. I don't know if that's because of COVID. And then you finally get your opportunity here in Houston. Is there just ever a doubt that you weren't supposed to be an NFL quarterback? Is, is, how have you adjusted and made this look very, very easy in an organization, I think, that a lot of people didn't expect it to happen from?
9: Yeah, I mean, to start off, like, coming out of college, I only played, I think I started 12 or 13 games, probably played in 15 um, and that last season my senior year only played in five I think we played six games with all the COVID stuff going on I was held out of the first one with a false positive test oh. and there was a lot of stuff going on whether when I was making the decision if I wanted to come out or uh, go back to school but with all the uncertainties um, with all the COVID stuff not knowing if I'd get a full off season of training um, and be able to progress as a better quarterback going into the next season I decided to declare and ended up in Houston and um, I think the benefit of having so few games um, in college, I kind of haven't reached my potential yet, and I feel like the best football is still ahead of me, so I'm looking forward to that.
5: Hey, what did it feel like? Um, I understand you didn't win the game. When you guys played the Patriots earlier this year, you had a, a hell of a game. I know you had, what, three touchdowns, no picks, and all we ever hear about is how Bill Belichick is going to come after rookie quarterbacks and, and mess with their head and let them not trust their reads. What was that game like? And I guess did you did that I guess, give you some confidence Although yeah, you didn't win, but you still played very well,
9: I think so. obviously, you want to win on the on the record books, but um, I think going out there that was one of the first games where I really just felt comfortable in the offense, was able to go out there and play fast, not not think about hearing a play call on the helmet and then having to think, okay, what's my drop, what's my progression, what's my read on this play? I'm able to just visualize it and go out there and play fast and I mean, that leads to making quick decisions and getting the balls to playmakers out in space. So
0: in two thousand in two thousand seventeen, you were the number one recruit in the country, I, I believe. Depending upon what recruiting,
9: Num- yeah, number one quarterback. Yep.
0: Oh, somebody else had you. Who was it? Who was the number one recruit overall? No,
9: oh, I, I'm not sure. It was different on all the different recruiting sites. Who,
0: who was it? Anybody? Did you remember anybody that they're like, uh, this guy, much better for your college than Doug Mills? I know
9: both Foster, Sorrell, and Walker Little, both the uh, tackles who we got to come to Stanford with me were both rated above Gosh. me on all the overall things, so I was
6: pretty cool.
0: Okay, so number one quarterback in the country, 2017. You end up at Stanford out of Atlanta. I assume, and I got a chance to be around a lot of Stanford people and the Colts, you know, with Andrew and mm-hmm. Kobe and Griff and Goose and David Perry I mean a lot I've been around a lot of Stanford folks incredibly intelligent did you know you're going to be a Stanford guy because I feel like the Stanford thing is like you're a Stanford guy like they almost have to give you like a you're a Stanford guy was that always going to be the dream to go through there and do you think uh that your intelligence you said that was the first game it's your rookie season you're going against Patriots where you didn't have to think. have you been able to pick up things a lot quicker you think just naturally
9: Um, to start off, I mean, I think my dad told me when I was like 12 years old, before I even knew that I would have a chance at going and playing in college, he said, if you ever have a chance to go to Stanford, I mean, that's an opportunity that's going to be way too hard to pass up. So that was always in the back of my head when I was going through the recruiting process, when I had all those other, um, colleges reach out to me. But, um, I think just, I guess going to Stanford and really being a student athlete with, student fully capitalized before the athlete part, um, just really makes you, makes you enjoy the intelligent part of the game and the learning part, the classroom part of the game. Cause I mean, you're only spending so much time on the, on the field versus how much time you're spending in the film room and learning the offense. So, um, I mean, I think that's allowed me to pick up, um, pick up this offense here and play fast. And I think learning the pro style offense at Stanford was making all the, the points and the pre-snap checks and alerts and stuff like that has allowed me to transition as well.
0: Doggy, how's the recall? Recall really good? Because I feel like <laughs> after listening to Aaron talk so much here over the last couple of years, and I assume other quarterbacks are listening to the greats that have come before him and stuff like that, I think the recall is – obviously you have to be able to make every single throw. But the recall is – are you getting – I mean, you're only a few games into your goddamn career mm-hmm. here, but is there a chance that you're already at a point or do you think you're going to ever in close, uh, like in a close time frame get to the point where you're starting to remember, oh, I remember they did this last time or this last. Is that something that naturally comes to your brain?
9: I think so. I mean, I think I'm a visual person and seeing things and being able to deposit it in the memory bank um, helps out. I don't think I have the level of recall, like the stories you hear of Sean McVay where he's telling you the exact second on the clock and in a game 10 years ago. Um, I don't think it's to that level yet, but with maybe a couple more years of film watching and study, maybe I'll get to that point oh, someday.
3: Go ahead, Ty. Davis, how hard was it uh, when you, like, first get started? Obviously, as a quarterback, you have to carry yourself a certain way, but, you know, you have the Deshaun uh, Watson situation and then Tyrod above you, like – how difficult was it going in and like being like, okay, I have to be a leader now in this locker room. Got vets are looking up to me. Like, was that difficult when you haven't really, you know, had uh, that much playing time?
9: Um, I mean, I don't think it's too difficult. I think that kind of comes with being, being a quarterback in the NFL um, and really college. And before that, you have to, you're understood as being one of the leaders on the team. And once you realize that you're, it's a little easier to step into that position and uh, lead those guys and ultimately i think i didn't try to go out there and be the person bossing everybody around i tried to let my play speak for itself and um i think as the seasons progress i've been able to play a little better and gain some respect for my teammates
5: hey what is coach dave like he's a guy i think at least nationally doesn't get a bunch of attention i think he's done a, a pretty damn good job with what you guys had coming in from the off season like what's he like day to day
9: who is this Coach Dave Cauley. Co- Coach oh. Dave, sorry. It Don I haven't heard Coach anyone Dave? call him Dave, sorry. Uh, so, that's our fault too. <laughs> hey, are, all good. Dave. They're all, they're all these nicknames. No, yeah. Well. Uh, he's been great. He's he was honestly one of the best best people for me and just instilling confidence in myself and basically saying, You're the quarterback for us. Um when I was kind of handed the role and he assured to me that we they were fully confident in my ability and Um, my job was to go out there and win games.
0: Pep Hamilton. I remember when he came to the Indianapolis Colts to be our offensive coordinator. They would come out. This was when Andrew Luck was here. They would come out of some meetings, and they're like, hey, Pep, we're not all Stanford Grats, okay, because he was at Stanford before then. <laughs> then he came to the Colts. He was running the XFL Defenders. Incredible coach, one of the coolest dudes I've ever been around. Shoe game crazy, slow runner, but an incredible coach. Is it nice to have somebody who kind of understands you, especially because of the Stanford connection? And is it nice to have Pep as your guy and a very accomplished guy around you?
9: Definitely, yeah. Pep's been awesome, um, both on and off the field. He's doing a lot for me, kind of just since he knew that Stanford offense, knew what I was coming from. He's been able to help me transition and learn all the the verbiage and how I can kind of tie concepts here back to what what I was doing at Stanford. So that's been great. And I mean, off the field, he has a bunch of stories from from you guys with the Colts, you and Andrew. Um, I've heard some funny stuff, so he's been great.
0: Hey, what do you do on the off time? You just do like Sudokus and crossword puzzles and stuff.
9: <laughs> yeah. Brain, brain training apps. Um, <laughs> no, uh, mainly like video games and golf. Hell yeah. The two big hobbies.
0: Good golfer. Atlanta, good golf area, isn't it?
9: Um, good, great golf area. I grew up on a course. I would like to say I was, I would like to be a lot better than I actually am, but I like to go out there and have fun. So You're an NFL
0: quarterback. That's going to happen. You don't have the time to be great. I assume that'll come at some point. What video game are we playing?
9: Um, Fortnite was the big one uh, the past couple <laughs> years, but I've kind of transitioned away from that and playing, I guess, yeah. a little more nerdier of games, League of Legends and uh, Age of Empires recently.
0: Oh, Hell yeah. I love those games. <laughs> <Hell yeah. laughs> hey, there's, uh, there's Pop- Comic-Con comes. No, what's the board game one? There's uh, a... Yeah. Pop Gen- 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 Con, Gen Con. Gen Con comes in. I haven't in. heard of that one. Oh, you need to come to Gen Con. I think it's during the season. You won't be able to do it. We'll but will th- Con. Yeah, we'll get you tickets. You send somebody. Send a friend. They can record <laughs> it for you while uh, you're watching your film. But I've seen all the... Uh, they take over the entire city, basically. All, all the... All, the super smart video game people take over <laughs> It's a hell of a party. Hey, it's oh, a yeah, good time. Everybody, fun time. Everybody's on the same page, it mm-hmm. feels like. Uh, Doug, great work down there. We <laughs> can't thank you enough for uh stopping by. Please tell Coach Dave we said hello. And Davis, you do not deserve that, and neither does Coach
9: Cauley. But thank you for your time. Good luck on the rest of the way. I will appreciate it. Nice to meet you guys. Thanks for having me.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, no, thank you for stopping by. Ladies and gentlemen, Houston Texans quarterback, Davis Mills. <laughs> joining us now is a man who actually uh spent a year with the refs was a head coach understands the rules a lot better than i do i would assume ladies and gentlemen it is time for coach us up chuck wednesday with chuck pagano yeah chuck you look amazing what's up guys hey you look amazing thank you for joining us man you're glowing look at the hey look at the tan look at the hair (laughs) I think it's this light
7: you guys sent me. Yeah, you look amazing. Hey, hopefully teams yeah, get... Time I turn on and look in here, I think, shit, this ain't the same dude I saw when I got up this morning. <laughs> <laughs> hey, take some
0: pictures, send it to the wife. Let's keep it going. Uh, Chuck, thank you for joining us. Did you hear what we were just talking about there? Are we accurate in uh, describing that type of play? It used to be guy would obviously give himself up, nobody would touch him, play wouldn't be over. Was there an evolution in the rules? that's like if somebody looks like they're not playing football anymore, the rule that they can blow it dead is that am i wrong in reading that as a observer here
7: no you're exactly right spot on uh with your analysis there and uh your rules as far as the officiating part of that goes yeah i mean you remember plays where receivers catch a ball you know over the middle and there'd be you know a couple dbs on a flyby the guy go down i think marvin harrison caught one years and years ago that comes to mind you know, at, at the old Colt Stadium, RCA Dome, and nobody touched him. He got up and ran for a touchdown. You know, that was that was the old rule. But now with quarterback sliding, uh, defensive players, uh, A.J. was spot on when he talked about defensive guy in the game. He knows he, we get a pick here. We always alerted him, hey, we're, we're down. You know, no, don't try to go get a touchdown. We all remember what happened Marlon McCree years and years ago, you know, with the Chargers, you know, and, the, and New England, you know he gets a pick late in the game. He's supposed to go down on the ground. They're on. They're going to be on a knee. advance in the playoffs. Well, shit. I think it was Troy Brown came up and punched the ball out from behind him, forced a turnover. Pats end up kicking a field goal, winning the game. And I think Marty, uh, God rest his soul, got fired fourteen and two after that. Might have been the same season. So Jeez. yeah, you're you're right.
5: Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> got it, AJ. Chuck, what, what um, when you look at the NFL right now and everything that's going on? Why is there a reason or anything you could point to of why it seems like some teams just seem to be very inconsistent? One week, gangbusters. Hey, we can't. This team can't be stopped. They're going to win the Super Bowl. Next week, they lay an egg. Like, is there is this happening more than it used to, or are we just paying more attention?
7: No, I, I think a combination of, of both. And it, you'd like to say, hey, maybe it's youth, uh, but then you know we run into a team that. Has a bunch of vets on it. Uh, Tampa Bay a couple of weeks ago uh, against New Orleans. I think that's just a hard matchup for Tampa. You know, if anybody does, uh, you know, studies those uh, games and the stats, you know, New Orleans defensively. I mean, they've got their number. You know, they they'd be a hard out, you know, for for anybody because they play tight man coverage. So sometimes it's the matchup. Sometimes you'd like to say it's it's youth on the team. Um, again, success is very hard to deal with. Uh, probably harder uh, than failure uh. in the National Football League. Um, you know, in- injuries, COVID, this, that, and the other. But, but yeah, it's been a crazy year as far as you know, especially for for the betters out there. You know, trying to <laughs> trying to pick. You know, you you think you got locks, and and next thing you know, you know, a team goes into another place and they're double digit underdogs, and and they they win a game. Like, did anybody pick Houston? you know last week to beat the chargers i mean it's just
0: crazy it's absolutely crazy and stats are coming out that the sports books uh, have had a rather good last couple months (laughs) you know with the way the nfl has been going the numbers have been released and exposed and it's becoming more public knowledge that those upsets in the chuck (laughs) we're back
1: It's a cool fact
0: Hey, that was awesome, dude. <laughs> is that transition? Are you editing the show? Hey, Foxy.
7: Hey, Foxy, Fox uh, can't do that. <laughs> uh, that was amazing. Wish uh, the internet didn't go out. No,
0: hey. <laughs> Hey, by the way, you look good. You sound good. You're giving us great answers. This is amazing. We appreciate you. uh, We appreciate you're here. You talked about all the crazy shit you got to deal with. Injuries, that's the NFL every single year. But COVID has obviously become a very pivotal part of who's playing, who's not playing, how you shape your team, your salary cap, in very important games. We actually got a clip from Hard Knocks sent to us today that said, hey, if you want to use this on your show, feel free, an exclusive clip. I would like you to watch this and think about uh, on the other side of this, Frank Reich, is there, how do you immediately turn on the positive spin, or is that just something you have to do in the job? Run the clip. This is from Hard Knocks, airing tonight on HBO at 10 o'clock. Pretty incredible look into the chaos in the uncertainty that is the NFL season this year.
5: Hey, Parks, can you do me a favor? Can you text Tyler and tell him to bring my phone here, because I keep getting just halo messages and I want to make sure it's not a COVID thing. Well it is COVID thing.
2: Um, Excuse me? It is COVID. Is it? What is it? Q. Oh, Q. Oh, Q.
0: Okay, so you, you see the moment of him having to process that and then realizing that everybody is watching him right now for his reaction. Is that something you just always have to keep in mind? And are there any moments where you go into your own office when nobody's around and go, what the fuck, dude? Is that, you think Frank did and fudge? Of course, Frank doesn't swear. But is that something that you just have to portray that? Or do you think Frank deep down in his soul, that's just naturally his reaction will be good?
7: Yeah, that was awesome. I think because of who Frank is and who Frank has been uh, the entire time, um, you know, he's as steady uh, as they come. And they've dealt, you know, that team's dealt with more adversity um, than anybody has, you know, going back all the way to training camp. So I think that's just who who Frank is. And, you know, at this point, you'd be kind of numb to it. You know, whether it's Quentin Nelson, your quarterback, you know, Darius Leonard, I mean, it's just like it's the new norm, and so uh, the way he handled that, because that's because the whole team's going to see that, you know, and that's why they don't flinch. That's why when they go to uh, Arizona and you get the lineup and you see who that starting line is, and they're missing four out of the five guys, and and Q's out, this guy's out, Darius is out, and and it's like there's no way they got no chance, right? But that's the mindset and the culture um, that that he's built and and they continue you know to to live by and so um again your team's going to see that your coaches are going to see that was that I couldn't tell because it was so dark was that like the quarterback meeting was that Carson in there and yeah
0: so I they show that room at least once a week I think in the show and I think Frank hangs out in the quarterback room I, I think that is like where he almost hangs out at because there was a speech last week about like trust your quarterback we always believe in, like, trusting your quarterback. It's like he has Carson's ear and he's in there. I don't know if that's where he always is, but I do believe that was the quarterback room, yeah.
7: Yeah, maybe they were in there late because you, you saw the um, when Philbin was there. I know you guys talked about Philbin earlier today. As I, I caught part of that and I love Joe Philbin. He's awesome. Oh. Um, but when you guys were talking about the production meetings, but, you know, he had that wall put up and it's all the great linemen because that's where the offensive line room was and all those – you know oh, yeah. past linemen that have gone through there and he had that kind of that uh mural put up of, of all the uh, you know past great Colts linemen so yeah I think you know when your quarterback hears that and then it's going to permeate throughout the locker room they're obviously going to see it when it when it comes on you know when it plays but uh but yeah I mean that's why that's why those guys you know they don't flinch and they you know certain guys can walk in there and and uh, yeah, next man up, this, that, and the other. But they don't live that; they don't breathe that. And, you know, they don't beat to that drum every single day. And and yeah, I've gone, I've gone from team meetings where we've been just decimated, uh, guys. And and I've gone in there, you know, super upbeat and tried to spin it. However, we're going to spin it. We're going to win this game, and I go back and close my office door, and and you know, just start throwing a tantrum. Kicking <laughs> <laughs> ask asked my assistant, hey, do you think they bought that shit? Are we okay? What do you
0: think? Uh, that's awesome to hear. That's the human side of it all that never really gets put on display. And I actually mentioned this earlier to Shrags. Do you think the Colts are benefiting from Hard Knocks being in their building? Because they have to do everything right. People can't be sleeping in meetings because there's a camera literally in the meeting rooms. Coaches can't step out of any particular line that they wouldn't want to be seen by a bunch of people. So everybody is almost being watched every month. It might bring the best out of it. Not that they wouldn't normally. It's the NFL. But it might actually be bringing the best out of this team. I might be wrong. I might be wrong, but I think that is at least a conversation piece.
7: No, absolutely. And you, like, Frank was like, who? 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 You know, so there was part of me that said, you know, and he caught himself for a second, maybe because those cameras are there, uh, but they have the final word, you know, they can go back and they get to watch everything and those guys show them and they can say, Hey, look, you know, Ballard's all over that, you know, and, 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 you know, no, we can't have this in there. We edit this out, edit that out. But, but again, I, I, yeah, I, I think everybody has to pause and take a deep breath before they react to anything knowing that those cameras are all over that freaking building.
0: Chris Ballard cut out his speech in the uh, Did you see he got a game yeah. ball from mm-hmm. Frank? I noticed that. And then as he started to talk, it was a hard cut mm-hmm. right to Carson Wentz gets a ball. And it, that had to have been Ballard going, I don't want any of my fucking words. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I don't want any of me on this show. There's already too much on this thing. Go ahead, Ty.
3: Coach, I think you've told us before, but I don't remember when you interviewed uh, to coach with the Colts. But like in a situation with the Packers where Nathaniel Hackett, their OC, has already been requested to interview with the Jaguars. Uh, what's that process like, where you still have you know the playoffs ahead of you, and you have all your normal responsibilities, and have the game plan for that? But on the same you know side, you want to act, you want to ace the interview and and get that that head coaching job. Like, how do you balance that?
7: Yeah, I think the great thing is because of uh, Zoom tie that all these guys can you know work around you know the game plan meetings, uh, the installs, uh, team meetings, practice, all that kind of thing. So. Um, even though, you know, there's this two-week window uh, between, the, uh, say, the Jaguars and, and, you know, Green Bay, and I have guess they've reached out to, you know, multiple uh, guys. I haven't uh, heard anything yet, but, but I know they've taught, reached out to Doug Peterson and, and uh, two coordinators at Dallas, um, coordinator, you know, Nathaniel Hackett up there at Green Bay, but, yeah, because of Zoom and all the way, you know, technology is these days, they can set that up, and, Uh, get on a Zoom and and do some preliminary stuff because all these meetings right now, it's kind of uh, get to know you know, is it other. all
0: bullshit? Is it like those combine meetings? Though are you all the coaches kind of coached up on what to say, how to say? Do they have their agents telling them how to do it, or because I, I think what your meeting was like six hours long or something? Like I guess you kind of get through that entire. How are those things? How do you filter through the bullshit? You think if you're an owner? No, those guys
7: can sniff that out, and you know because what they're looking for is auth- authenticity. You know, authentic people. You know, and they don't want they don't want some guy to come in and be, you know, whatever. So. I think right now, especially in Zoom, you don't have to put on a coat and tie and fly in. And my my interview actually it wasn't that long, Pat. Thank God it was only like three hours. Um, I would have never made it six hours. But but you know I think it's two it, it's two uh, twofold here. Um, again, these guys are just starting to you know talk a little bit, get to know each other a little bit. Hey, what are your what are your you know what's your culture going to look like? What's your team going to look like? Identity, philosophy, you know, as far as you know, team building, um, offense, defense, maybe some of that stuff, but more just get to know. And I think a lot of it is like Shaw down there in Jacksonville, he's got a laundry list of names, right, that he's going to talk to. He's doing a lot of information gathering himself. So he's got a chance to pick the brains of a lot of really good coaches, offensive mm. coordinators, defensive coordinators, former head coaches. Hey, how did you win the Super Bowl, Doug? What was your culture like? What was your process? You know, when you started going in there and when you start. So I know like, you know, years and years and years ago when Butch Davis got the Miami job in 1995, I ended up going back to Miami with him. But before that, he was at the Dallas Cowboys D-line coach. And and Mr. Davis, Mr. Al Davis, interviewed him for the head job at at the Raiders. And it was like a three-day process. And it was on the phone. And he'd call him 2, 3 in the morning because Mr. Davis never slept he would come in the office at four or five o'clock in the afternoon. And that's when he'd start watching the tape and go to practice, you know, things like that. And he'd be up all night. And so his phone was ringing two, three, four in the morning. He'd like, you know, he, what you doing asleep, kid? Why are you sleeping? You gotta <laughs> that ball, you know? And, and so, but that's how, but he was on an information that He was trying to figure out, cause they had just won, you know, back-to-back, you know, Super Bowls with Jimmy. Uh, 92, 93, 93, whatever it was, right? So those guys are also uh, digging and trying to find information uh, by talking to all these guys and, and, you know, not only finding out who these people are initially, and if they want to continue this process down the road and have a second, maybe a third interview, flying men, uh, they're gathering information too. Uh, My question for you is, by the way, thank you for that
0: great insight right there. I didn't even think about the intel gathering that could happen and coaches probably have to be weary of that while they're speaking to, is this feel like I'm actually going to get this job? Or are they trying to get information out of me? It's like players that get signed by other teams uh, a week before. Like, am I actually, what are they trying to do? It's a it's an entire feeler out process there. You talking about Al Davis and having an impression of him. I didn't know he had. I'm pumped for that, that we have an Al Davis impression going on. Uh, it sounded exactly like him from the clips that I've heard. How come all these rich folks that are very successful seem to operate overnight? Are they all insomniacs? What's the, because right, I mean, I don't want to speak out of line for anybody, but I think Ursay is a night worker, right? I think he works at night. Al Davis, he works at night. I think it's pretty well done. Vince McMahon works through the night. Is that just something that I wonder? I mean, I wonder, should we start being no a 2 action
7: There's no distraction. Nobody's knocking on your door. Phone ain't ringing. You know, there's probably nobody in the building. Just, you got you and your film, your computer, your laptop, or whatnot, you know, you're just, there's no distractions. And then some of these guys are just, they just like that. And, you know, uh yeah. Well,
5: don't you think, hey, Chuck, don't you think also, if you're the owner, you know, as the head coach, I doubt you can, like, let's say you pull up not super early and you're walking in, probably from your car to your office, you get stopped 35 times. Like, and you want to just get to your office and get to work. I would imagine if a guy like Al Davis, yeah, no distractions. I can be here and I don't have a million people peppering me with, dumb questions about we need more uh you know we need more staplers in the stapler in the (laughs) the copy room
0: yeah you're i mean i didn't even think about the fact that you don't have to deal with anybody at that time
5: it's like steve harvey remember steve harvey put a sign up like don't talk to me don't look at me because so many people were coming at him
0: and by the way people try to make
5: it appear as if he was a terrible person for that it's like okay i don't think he needs
0: everybody's idea for a tv show (laughs) while he's trying to do a hundred tv shows that he's already doing and getting set up with miscues on cards Chuck, you're an incredible
7: conversation, man. You would would certainly hope that, you know, guys had figured that out. I mean, by the time, you know, when I went to the Raiders, Mr. Davis was still alive, and you get a lot of heads up, and guys tell you, you know, certain things to do, don't do. But, you know, nobody was going to walk up to Mr. Davis and ask him, you know, (laughs) let alone intelligent questions. you (laughs) You know, hey, look. Copiers down. Who do, you, who do I go to? You know. <laughs> <laughs> just went. <laughs> you know, because I mean, he was the man. I mean, he wasn't physically getting around like he used to, but but his his memory, his brain. You talk about large brains, and you've had a lot of large brains on your show, one every week, and, and Aaron. But his recall. That's why when he when he asks you a question. He always told you just assume he already has the answer. Oh yeah. So if you don't know, just say you don't know. Because uh, he because he'll get you. A lot of guys I saw. A lot of guys just get humiliated <laughs> for trying to just well, blah 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 blah, and they start with this diarrhea of the mouth and and he's just like, that's okay, kid. That's all right. I'll I'll fig- I'll find out myself. <laughs> <laughs> or, or or he just he just be like just put you in this trap in this web and then all of a sudden you go you start talking and then he's like well wasn't it this oh yeah maybe it was that or and what about and what about and then all of a sudden this guy's like this big you know just sitting there and every and he always used to face the front sitting sit in his chair and face the front and we we're all behind him you know and everybody's just like telling the guy who's talking just stop just stop <laughs> quit talking You're just digging yourself a deeper hole you know oh that's awesome
0: he he was on the all madden documentary last night obviously whenever john retired and said he can't do it anymore because his life was consumed by coaching and i think coaching schedule got a lot of uh i don't want to say pub last night but spotlighted last night about the commitment it takes to be an nfl coach madden uh john madden after 10 years retires Uh, greatest record winning percentage uh, with a hundred wins in NFL history. But I think he said, I'm never coaching football again in his retirement because what he was doing to his entire life and his entire being Al Davis was a part of that. Did you know John Madden well for all your years in the NFL, especially around the Raiders organization? Did you, do you have any cool stories about the guy who I just learned a lot about last night and I feel like I missed out on immensely?
7: Yeah, obviously. I mean, I can't put into words you know, what everybody else has uh, said about you know uh, Coach Madden, um, just a, a, a legend, the a goat, icon, whatever you want to call him. But I never had an opportunity. My two years there, okay. um, we never crossed paths. And then by the time you know I had an opportunity to be in those production meetings and things, it was after you know he had already you know left the booth. Um, you know, but one thing that you know Mr. Davis always talked about with John was I can understand now and I hope everybody else can understand now why, because you're saying, why would he only coach, you know, 10 years, you know, because those 10 years were probably every one of them, like they say, is like dog years, you know, was probably like time seven. And the thing that uh, Mr. Davis admired most um, uh, among all, all the things he admired about coach Madden was that it was only football. He said he didn't have any other hobbies. All you coaches like to play golf. John didn't like golf. He just liked football and watching film and his family. That's it. So he had he had nothing else. So you know, after ten years, you say, you know, the the record speaks for itself, and uh, you know. All-time percentage leader, you know, with coaches with over 100 wins and all that stuff. And I didn't even know that they had been to five or six uh, AFC championships and and lost before they they finally made the Super Bowl uh, and won because he never had a losing record. But I know it's because of, you know, the time and the sacrifice that he made. You know, it was it was all silver and black. It was all Raiders. It was all football. And, and yeah. hey,
0: and also, Coach, his family was all in with it as well. You know, his wife, which is so important to the coaches uh, of the NFL, is having the family and the the wife just being uh, 100% behind. It felt like he had that. It was a hell of a football life for John Madden, uh, Coach Man. I wish I knew more about him. And thank you for saying those incredibly kind words. I feel like we just learned even more about the guy. Go ahead, Tone.
6: Coach, when you're a uh, defensive head coach, uh, that's where your background is. How hard is it to... Or is it not hard at all to go to the offensive coordinator and suggest changes on the offensive side of the ball?
7: Well, I, I think you know because being on that side of the football and the way you see things, and then when you watch the tape of the next opponent, and and you say, okay, look, we've been you know doing this, this, and this, and the run game, and the pass game, pass protections, whatever. Um, here's what they are. You know, from a defense perspective, I think, as, again, as long as, you know, uh, guys are receptive, uh, guys don't have egos or, or whatever, you can go in there and, and have, a, have a conversation and say, hey, look, you know, for this game this week and moving forward, I think if we move in this direction and we start utilizing, you know, uh, a little bit more of the run game, maybe a little bit more of the pass game, move the quarterback, whatever uh, is necessary based on who you have in your roster and injuries and things like that. It, it's not difficult, especially again if a guy's got a defensive background. You know, we all, always talk about reference Belichick and and the time that he always spent, you know, with his quarterback, and all of us tried to replicate that, and I try to, you know, spend time with the quarterbacks and Andrew and, and just from what I saw, you know, week in and week out uh, based on the team that we we're playing and the, and the defensive structure and, and some things and just try to give them, you know, a nugget uh, here or, or there, some tips on, you know, uh, what you might be looking for. Uh, that could be some tells and, and giveaways as far as, you know, uh, certain coverage uh, a, a pressure, uh, whatever. Um, so now that's, I think that's something that, I don't. If you're not doing that, then I don't think I don't think you're doing your job. And it doesn't have to be where you're running in there, you know, every week, and um, you know, changing the offense every week, and you know, making them put you know uh, something new in every single week. You try to you know blend it in and mold it to to who you are.
0: Chuck, you're the best, dude. You know that you have the wealth of football knowledge. Incredible. Southern Paisana skin out mm-hmm. there. So many stories. Such a great resume. Uh, we're so lucky you stop by every week. One last question from old Frankie Moraldo, who is sitting in for Connor, who is currently battling Omnicron. Tease and peace to him, obviously, coach.
1: Coach, uh, kind of a follow up to Tony's question, actually, Uh, when you're speaking with the coordinators and you've told us before about working the headset, you flip that switch, you can talk to the offense or you can talk to the defense and you're making a call mid game maybe to say, "Okay, hey, let's go for it or hey, let's run. Do you ask for or suggest specific plays or is it more just generalities like, "Okay, hey, let's run the ball more or hey, let's let's put it in the air here?
7: You know what? (laughs) I text, first of all, I text Boston just to check once I saw today um, that he was out and and checked on him. Said he's got some mild symptoms, doing good. Same as BA. BA's got some mild symptoms down there in Tampa. He's doing okay. Thank God. Um, But, but no, you generally, you just get on there and say, look, you know, we're four down right here. You run the football. You know, and it doesn't get to the point where you say, hey, look, let's run, you know, power, <laughs> you know, I, close, something close. like That's that. So, just telling hey, look, you know, it's third and, third and six. We get a first down. You know, we're on a knee. Go ahead and throw it. You know, we've worked on one or two. Now, there might be two plays we've worked on all all week long, you know, leading up to that certain situation. And you might get real specific, you know, with the, with the pass concept. Uh, that you want to run in that certain situation, but most of the time it's it's just you know general stuff like you know when we've thrown it 25 times in a row, might be a good idea to get on there. Hey, um, that was the 25th pass uh, in a row, and it might serve us well. You know, to uh, is that maybe what you say? The ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: I was about to say. Sounded like a pretty casual line. Uh, just looking at the stats here, Pep. All right, we have. Uh, Bruce, we've uh, we've thrown the ball 25. Is there any way we could potentially
1: fucking
0: run the ball? That would be... that's You know, those moments on the sideline that get spotlighted in negative fashion. For instance, uh, who was it? Allen and Payne, I think, for the Washington football mm-hmm. team where an actual punch was thrown and both guys afterwards were like, hey, it's in the heat of the moment. That type of stuff happens. The amount of disagreements that happen on a sideline in a competitive atmosphere like the NFL, I don't think is understood by the massive amount of people. Obviously, everybody wants to be in harmony. Everybody wants good things to happen. But in the heat of the moment, when there's a lot of ideas, how do you kind of control that and understand it could potentially come for your team? But also, let's not promote this. We don't want this happening every single day.
7: No, absolutely. And, and uh, you know, watching that thing happen, I mean, that's ha- that happens a bunch. You, and you know that. And Can you only imagine if, you know, uh, they could make public you know, uh, sixty minutes. Uh, uh, you know, during a ball game, the headsets. Oh. Can you can you imagine if they would record those and actually let you know somebody, you know, uh, Joe Public listen to some of the things that are said on those things? That that would be uh, that would be incredible because it, it does get heated. You know, things are you know go they go back and forth, uh, player to coach, coach to player, coach to coach, head coach to assistant coach. I mean, that's just part of it. And yeah, you know. Uh, In the heat of the battle, especially with, you know, playoff implications, uh, job security, a lot of other shit comes into play. You know, players, you know, uh, they're on contract years, maybe not, you know, having the game that they want to have, the season they want to have, getting a lot of heat at home. Why ain't they feeding you the... So a lot of stuff starts to come out, especially, you know, when adversity hits. And and that's where, uh, you know, always got to have, you know, cooler heads you know, prevail and, and hopefully you know, somebody, somebody, you know, down there that's, that's got a cool head. That's what I love about like, you know, watching Frank, you know, I I don't think, have you ever, you guys ever seen Frank, you know, get sideways on the sideline? I see him get fired up sometimes, you know, after big wins and stuff in the locker room, but, but I always see him pretty cool regardless of of the circumstances. And, and to me to have that, uh, you know, that calming force, you know, if you will, when, when stuff gets sideways and, and can bring everybody back to you know here, here here's the task at hand. Let's understand that. I understand this, but you know we can't be throwing throwing hands on the sideline with each. It's, plus, it's a bad luck. It's bad enough you just got 56 put on you, and now you got two players throwing hands you know on the sideline. I mean, it happened to us at Cincinnati. You know, when I was at Cleveland 2004, and and things are going sideways, and they're talking about Coach Davis getting let go, and and they put. I think we lost 56 to 46 in that game down at Cincy that day. And and uh, we had two coaches go at it on the sideline, you know, and, and as soon as that happens, then it's like, okay, this thing's done. <laughs> we got no more control over anything. And the next day, sure enough, you know, Butch is in there, you know, saying goodbye to the team. You know, he, he was like, oh. They named the interim the interim coach, you know, uh, Terry Rufisky was going to be the interim coach for the last month of the season, and and that was a wrap, you know. So, yeah, some crazy stuff.
5: What do you say your team – like, if you were the head coach of a team and you had a couple assistants fighting during the game that was public for everybody to see, I guess, it, let's say – it's a different scenario and you're the head coach and you still have your job the next morning. What do you say in the team meeting to those guys?
7: <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Cause you've been, you talk, you know, uh, ad nauseum about keeping your cool, stay together, you know, uh, being under control, you know, you got to keep your head. We can't have any bad penalties. You, you can't be the second guy. You can't retaliate, you know, all this stuff. And then, you know, when something like that happens, it's really hard to get up, you know, in, in front of those guys and, and, and say, you know, what the hell happened. And, uh, you know, I don't. That's why I'm glad I'm not. I wasn't on that sideline or, you know, I, <laughs> I got to go in front of a group and, you know, and I think those guys get it, AJ. I mean, you've been down there, Pat's been down there. Um, you understand, you know, in certain situations that that stuff's going to happen. There's going to be some words you know, uh, some conversations that get a little bit heated, not, some not-so-nice things, you know, said. But hopefully the, the relationship is strong enough between whoever it was and, and the group that you can come together and team meet and say, okay, look, this is totally out of line. This is what happened. You know, you're good, you're good, yeah, we're good, and then you move on.
0: It kind of puts a bow on the entire thing I've been talking about for the first half of this week and getting attacked for almost is you can disagree with people and move on. You know, and I think football locker rooms taught me that more than anywhere else, let alone the competitive on why or strategy or potentially uh, outcome or benefits that one person's either getting or not getting. And that could be it. But also there could be just a, a disagreement about philosophy in the middle of the game that could potentially come up and two people can look at each other and say, you're an idiot. I don't agree with you. And then guess what? there's another play happening that we can fucking lose about. You mm-hmm. know, like you just got to kind of move on. I wish the world would do a little bit more of that. Hopefully we'll see that day. And we can't thank you enough for joining us, Chuck. You're the fucking man.
7: Appreciate you guys. Take care. Hey, when are you coming Happy back? New Year. Hey, Happy when, New
0: Year. Happy New Year to you. When are we going to see you in person again? Super Bowl, huh? Hey.
7: I've got nothing to do. I'm going to go get my fifth workout in today. You know, <laughs> I got. Oh, you're got a, coaching Tina's again! Here, so. Hey,
0: this dude's getting back into coaching. And you got five workouts. You're doing four loads mm-hmm. of laundry. Tina's keeping you on there. You're loving retirement, yeah? We're still loving everything about it, yeah.
7: Hell yeah, yeah! It's been. I'm living a blessed life. It's it's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm whenever, wherever. You just make the call,
0: send that private jet. I'm good. No. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Coach Chuck Pagana. thank yeah. you, Chuck. Thank
2: yeah. you, Coach.
0: So sorry to interrupt, but if you have ever wanted to make your home feel safer, there is no better time than now. This week, our friends at Simply Safe are giving our listeners 40 per- Holy shit. 40% off their award winning home security. We love Simply Safe because it has everything you need to make your home safe. Indoor and outdoor cameras, comprehensive, sen- or comprehensive sensors. Say that a couple times fast. And also, they do have all these things. It's amazing, and it's all monitored around the clock by trained professionals who send help the instant you need it. We have Simply Safe in this office, and we all have them at our homes. It's very easy to set up very easy to set up you can do it yourself you don't need any you know strangers going through your house tracking mud you know drilling holes i think what simply safe is all about simply safe is about taking home security to a much more modernized level it's an app it's cameras it's sensors it tracks movement they have trained professionals watching along you're good to go you get alerts for anything that's potentially weird it is literally the perfect home security system and the 40% off is the biggest discount of the year. You can get a complete home security system starting at just over $100 for peace of mind. There are no long-term contracts or commitments. It's a really easy way to start feeling a bit more peace of mind. Take advantage of Simply Safe's holiday say, uh, sale and get 40% off your new home security system by visiting simplysafe.com slash McAfee. Again, that's S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E dot slash M-C-A-F-E-E for 40% off your entire system. Hurry. This offer ends soon. And with the holidays coming around and a lot of delivery stuff going on, Simply Safe protects you against those porch pirates too. It's the perfect time to get into the game at simplysafe.com/slash/mcafee and get forty percent off your entire system. That's crazy. Back to the show. Now we have to move forward here. Uh, obviously, we could talk about John Madden because I don't know much about him, so I could probably learn new things about him uh, throughout this entire show. But we do have to address some house cleaning stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Ty Schmidt is here at the Toxic Table. How you doing, Ty? I'm doing great. Pat. Uh, next to Ty at the Toxic Table, Frank Maraldo.
1: Hey, good to be back out here, boys. Feels like old times. Hey, stick tap for you, for sure. Hey, He's I don't, here. I don't he, love the circumstances, but I'm happy to be here.
0: And I would like to let everybody know that the reason why Nick is there is because Connor self-reported some symptoms this morning. Mm-hmm. Socially distanced, takes the test. On oh, 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 no. I believe it's on Macron. I think I so, Yeah, dude. he was playing catch with Carson Wentz yesterday. That's right. Yeah, yeah he was, was playing catch with Carson Wentz mm-hmm. yesterday, I think, you know. And now, whatever the case, hope he survives. Hope Absolute. Carson Wentz survives. Mm-hmm. Thank you for coming in here. Zito will be doing double duty in the Thank back box. He'll be here. Tone digs one half done. of the hammer. Don, Cowboys is here. And and I would just like to let everybody know there was a lot of things said about me last night. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> I was training for a long time last yeah. night. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of very. Somebody accused me of basically killing people Excuse yesterday me. with a check mark. Journalist. All right what? And I'm sure Mike Freeman NFL does great work
3: mm-hmm.
0: First thing journalist yep. is what his uh, info says and then all the places he's he's worked everywhere Okay I'm sure this guy does incredible work and I understand that he has a following I felt it yesterday a little bit and he basically accused me of killing people and uh, having misinformation on this program that is leading to devastating things happening outside of here because of me allowing, in his words, Aaron Rodgers to spew Aaron Rodgers' nonsense on my platform. Now. I did ask him in a rebuttal tweet that had to be softened down seven times. I asked him, excuse me, how come you're picking and choosing what to report from my show? Are you doing that in an attempt to mislead people? And is that not a style of misinformation as well? How come you didn't cover when Charles Barkley came on, explain why he believes in the vaccine and everything like that? So I think the picking and choosing of when you want to say, hey, my platform is terrible is a little bit did uh, not that kind of go against journalism, yeah. I, I think, well, unless you're trying to build a narrative like or paint a picture or whatever. And Mike Freeman doesn't know me. I've never met him. I'm sure if we met each other, we'd be much better understanding. But there was a lot of shit said about me. And a lot of it was that my program mm-hmm. doesn't allow anybody on it that has a brain that could speak about COVID and maybe answer some questions that I don't ask Aaron Rodgers because I have not read. I don't know what seven thousand books to become a fucking doctor correct so we got a doctor on the show ladies and gentlemen joining us right now Oh my God. a doctor who i assume knows that he is going to get probably a buzzsaw of questions that's kind of his life as a doctor by the way doctor sure. always answering questions oh yeah. always answering questions now as soon as i announced he was going to be on the show i, I don't know everybody basically said he's not a fucking doctor <laughs> yeah. so let's find out first things first joining us ladies and gentlemen Unless doctor is his first name, like I wanted to do for my kid, I think an actual doctor, Dr. <laughs> Dr. <laughs> Drew. Dr. Drew. Pleasure, gentlemen. Hey, Doc, how come immediately, by the way, thank you for joining us. Thank you my so pleasure. much. Thank, we appreciate that a lot. Thank you thank look you, amazing. Doc. We appreciate that. How come immediately upon me saying uh, we're going to have Dr. Drew on to, because I don't know. Shit about fucking this particular world. I think you probably could realize that you're talking to a guy in a tank top. I do have Dior Air Force Ones on. Whoa. Ooh, fancy? No big deal. Nice. But but nice. I don't know any of this stuff. As soon as I said you were coming on, there is a litany of people that are not a real doctor. What does that yeah, even yeah, mean? Yeah. And why so let me, it- when
8: people love shitting on me. I don't know why. But let <laughs> me give you my credentials. I'm I'm a physician. I got an MD in 1984. I did internal medicine residency. Then I did a chief residency. Then I taught internal medicine. Then I became an assistant clinical professor of medicine. Then I went into the psychiatric field where I ran departments in a psychiatric hospital. I ended up becoming the director of uh, chemical dependency services in 1991, something I did for over 20 years. I also then became an assistant clinical professor in the department of psychiatry. So I've had lots of medical experience. I've seen everything. And uh, it's why I have some opinions about what's going on with uh, with COVID. Okay. So doc, thank you for reading
0: your resume. I feel like the a- person that has read the amount of books that you have read and the amount of hours you've spent taking tests that none of us whatever in a million years do. Uh, you shouldn't have to just read that off every single time, but it is the world that we're living in. And now, yep. since you have a psychiatry degree, numerous ones, and you also have the medical degrees, numerous, yeah. it feels like you are the perfect person to chat to at this exact time. How come um how come you think that right now there are two very different stances on whether or not you're going to get the vax or not get the vax now i'm not saying it's 50 50 and i don't want anybody to think that i believe that it's 50 50 pro vax anti-vax i have no idea what those numbers are but why do you think we've gotten to this point where people are so pay- somebody told me that i'm killing people
8: because i'm letting Aaron come on and I, talk. i know with- i saw that that's, that's insane and and by the way how many lives has he saved the guy that's accusing you of killing people—is wow. is he by signaling with his mask, saving people? Exactly, how many people has he saved? Oh, exactly. Okay. I didn't really know this is what this is going to go like.
0: Okay, I'll, okay, Doctor Drew, I appreciate you going to bat for me there. I do that. But, but
8: but be that as it may, so so people are afraid. Fear is the number one motivator right now, and they're seeing all this polarization in the media. They've realized they can't believe the media. It's stock. It's chock full of fake news, so they don't know who to go to. At the beginning of the pandemic, I kept saying, listen to Dr. Fauci, listen to the CDC, but they too have had sort of an adulterated course here where it's not clear that I, I still trust them, but I understand when people can't trust them. So who do they go to? Where do they go? Well, unfortunately they go to their silos on the internet and they get a lot of reinforcement around material that is not exactly accurate. Also, we have the African American community who is already been mistreated by my profession for 150 years of course they're not going to trust everything we hand out. And we have to rebuild that trust and people have to not vilify, not get angry, not tell people they're going to not have access to health care if they don't get a vaccine. We have to build that rapport again and do what we know how to do, frankly, since the AIDS epidemic. We learned how to shape health behavior in the 1990s and we've abandoned 1980s, frankly, and we abandoned all of that during this pandemic. It's been very bizarre.
0: Okay, so you said a lot there, obviously, and I, I appreciate the fact that you're so passionate about this because the world that I just been living in for, depending upon the amount of hours after Aaron comes on the show and does his thing, I assume you're in that world every single day. And when you say yep. you still trust the CDC and the doctors, even though, and I think you used the word adulterated in a fashion that I've never heard it used
8: before. They've kind of hit or miss, I think, is what you're saying. They've been trying to. Yeah, I'm saying that they. they They've, they've taken questions where they've become evasive and not transparent, and that's how you build this trust. And so you we must be completely transparent as clinicians and scientists about our thinking, about our uncertainty. The, the government has weirdly taken the attitude as you can't handle the truth, which is exactly the way to, the wrong position to take and the way to create vaccine hesitancy. It's about opening the doors, letting them in on your thinking, and show really that we are uncertain about a lot of stuff. That's the nature of medicine. And build our case, why it's important for people to get vaccinated, particularly in risk populations.
0: So you are, if I'm hearing this, you agree with the stances on the vaccines. Why? Why? It, it, like when Aaron explained, um, and by the way, I'm vaccinated, that somehow gets missed in every single time I'm told I'm a terrible human being. I'm which, sure. Which you which are, I,
8: well, you are a terrible human being a separate
0: thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, respect, deal. respect. I do respect that. <laughs> but um, what like allergies is one thing that Aaron looked into his body. And we got to assume that these people who have a lot of money, you have a lot more friends that have that era of here's, money.
8: Here's where Aaron Rodgers is making a reasonable decision that no one's talking about. Okay, He has to go out on the field three days later after taking a vaccine that may, may remote risk cause heart inflammation. I understand that's a risk and it's taking a healthy person and making them possibly sick. That's different than, damn, I caught this thing. I still could get the heart inflammation. I didn't want to get it, but I got it. So I'm gonna have to be very, very careful. I understand people are fearful of going from healthy to ill, particularly when they've got to hit the, 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 the turf three days later and play it you know at full capacity. I, I get there was kind of a tough decision there. He should have had the vaccine. He got the illness. Okay. What's the big deal?
0: Okay. So people, and this leads right into the next question beautifully, and we appreciate you, Dr. Drew, who is an actual doctor. Mm-hmm. Yes. Turns out. Medical doctor. Wow and brain doctor mm-hmm. psychiatry doctor uh, these are all his things we put them off the uh, website <laughs> let's go check the resume yeah. dr drew oh, yeah.
8: um, whenever you thank you t- by, by the way nobody ever does that thank you for doing that those are all my those are all my board certification i'm double boarded those are all my my professorships and fellowships i've got lots of them
0: so well, there you go well doc we're we're proud of you for having all those and also last night while i was getting an onslaught of he's not an actual doctor i was thinking to myself dr drew has been a doctor my entire life is this guy not a doctor and zito our guy looked him up and said boom here they are okay so let's talk about the vaccine and you said he did he got uh covid because he wasn't vaccinated it feels right. like now people are i was vaccinated i got covid bad yeah. i got a pretty bad one now I had 104 and a half degree fever it was great Nasty. there are some people that aren't vaccinated who got COVID that weren't as bad as me i think it's a strange thing the, the vaccine thing. the vaccine is not a hundred percenter it is just a build no. like the boost this is just a build-up of a shield is that what is that how it's, yeah. should it should be painted? it helps
8: prevent i, I keep telling people we, we don't have a way to stop this thing and we don't have a way to make it better once you've contracted it completely we have a way of reducing complication like when I got sick, I had bad COVID. I was sick for almost three months. But but a week in, I got monoclonal antibodies. No one had ever heard of that then. And I thought, oh, my God, this kept me out of the hospital. So I went out on Instagram Live and kept pumping it out there. And, of course, people are so paranoid. What you get back is, who's paying you to say this? Or, oh, just because you're a special person, you got it. No, they're free. The government bought it, and it's available to everybody if you're – My profession froze during this pandemic and really didn't even learn what's available for patients. And that's still happening to this day. It's very bizarre. Okay, it's so, really wild what happened. So let's
0: dive in on the, the ivermectin then. So the ivermectin yeah. is obviously a big conversation piece. I mean, it is yeah. a big piece. And immediately, which is weird. Well, it's because, and I think you and I both know this, um, in the world that we live in, and I'm in the sports world, but I have friends on both ends of the spectrum, literally both ends of the spectrum, which I wish more people would do, by the way. I'm learning there's probably yeah. not a lot of people who have that. But both ends of the spectrum understood. As soon as Trump pushed something... Right, that was going That's to become right. an immediate boom, and then, if you get Joe Rogan involved and Joe Rogan's another polarizing figure for whatever reason, even though incredibly successful and has you know grinded at this for a long time, but he is hated by some people as soon as they start pushing it, then a narrative starts getting built. Is ivermectin something in your eyes that is? You know, it has just been demonized because you right. hear, hear people talk it about been. it. It, okay. it has been
8: demonized. So, so here's a couple of on it. So we have two new antivirals that are now approved for emergency use, Paxlovid and Molnupiravir. They are excellent. Problem is I can't get my hands on them. I've been calling pharmacies for two days. They're not distributing it. Why not? I don't understand. Those two medications make ivermectin look like a pop gun compared to an Uzi. I, I mean, it really is. I mean, ivermectin, if it works, it's on the margin. But when we had nothing else to do, it was harmless i look in this country if you come into this country from most countries you're required to take ivermectin we just as a part of the immigration policy we give it to everybody that comes in itself i've used it for decades literally a harmless medicine so the harmlessness And that it might do a little something, people go, okay, let's use it. But when we have better therapies, it's going to kind of fade away. But the fact that people started using this moniker about it being a horse medication, I was talking to Kroll about this yesterday, and he goes, you know, why don't people say, look, there's brushes for horses and brushes for girls. Are we not allowed to use brushes now because there's brushes for horses? It's the same idea.
0: Yeah, it's used in both there. Now, the money, the conversation, and you said everybody's become so skeptical about everything whenever you push the monoclonal antibodies and said, yeah. uh, the, who's paying you to say this? That has yeah. become a real thing, right? Because a lot of people's investments have been made public. Maybe they're wrong, maybe they're not, but they've taken a lot of turn. Those same people are potentially in some power, controlling some stuff. How do we know, how are people supposed to know, like, for instance, You know, all these vaccine companies, they made like billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars to this entire thing. And there's some people that are like, oh, everything is being forced through these pharma companies because of how much money they are grossly making in their own pockets. How do we how do we separate like personal advancement financially from also can help? You you know what I mean? How do you get those? people? So let's
8: do two, two things. When there's profits to be made, there is enthusiasm and marketing, right? Like there's another medicine that is quite effective, it looks like, early in COVID called fluvoxamine. It's an old SSRI antidepressant that has anti-inflammatory properties on the brain. I, I took it for my long hauler syndrome. It cleared things up in 30 minutes. It was crazy effective for me, not for everybody. Again, cost right. pennies. Harmless medicine, not, for not using it for the antidepressant properties, using it for the anti inflammatory properties, and it's not being pushed because no one's making money on it. And in fact, a friend of mine was in a situation where another doctor accused him of being paid by somebody because he was pushing fluvoxamine so hard. We have an obligation as physicians to always put that those disclosures up front. So if it's a doctor talking, he or she will say, Hey, you know, I work for this company, X. And here's my opinion, you know, based on the the, we also have to talk about the entire subject and class, we're obliged to do all that. But we have to say that all up front. So if it's a physician, it's that if it's a drug company or a journalist, who knows?
0: Yeah, but nobody's really going to physicians, right? The physicians are just on TV or on the Internet, you know, like this, for instance. This is so you saying you have to disclose who has an investment and whatever and everything. That's not happening in like mass press conferences, right? Like that's not something that's potentially taking place there. So
8: it it, it should be. I mean, the CDC, they they have strict, you know, they can't be. I don't know. I'd be shocked if they have any sort of, uh, you know, they, they have funding for their research that comes in through pharma. But personally, if they have any direct relation, that, that would be tough if they didn't disclose that a lot.
0: Okay, that's a great answer, by the way. That's a huge piece of information. And I am a- trying to ask as many questions as I see from either side here. Let's go to the, uh, the vaccine, super vaccine. Are they in the right of saying that the unvaccinated are potentially affecting them and their family and the way our world is uh,
8: do you think in that- other words unvaccinated or harming other people the, the only yes. the only thing the, un, the unvaccinated harm themselves if they, that that's that i mean the fact is the people as like yourself people break through with the vaccine all the time and you are still infectious the reality that here's the two things that that concern us though if you're vaccinated you tend to be producing virus for a shorter period of time so you may be at risk of exposing other people for a sh- temporarily a shorter period, which is good, right? You may infect less people. Number two, the duration of a, of a viral activation, viral replication, determines to some degree the extent for mutation. So the more virus, the more time replicating, the more mutation. And that's the only really scary thing going on right now. Now we all may get sort of immunized or inoculated by Omicron. I, I've seen I've seen so. Literally a hundred cases of Omicron in the last week. It's been unbelievable. Super mild in the vaccinated. Crazy mild. Like most, most of them didn't even know they had it. That's how mild it is. And they're going to have now a hybrid, really solid immunity. Is that a good thing? A bad thing? I, it's hard to tell. We worry that having all that virus around may create more potential for mutation. My sense is. It's a net positive. People are going to be very much immunized by this virus now.
0: Okay, so Omicron is a fast runner. We heard about it yeah. coming out of California. It was being promoted as being like, hey, this is the biggest, baddest, you know, yeah. COVID of all time. This is bigger. It ended up being the fastest, I think. It spreads the fastest. It is,
8: it's incredibly infectious. But it is, if you're vaccinated, it's, it's mild. I mean, it is mild. Now, I have a an unvaccinated guy who's very sick with it. I think, again, we're not always getting the genetic subtyping of these viruses, but I think that's what he's got. And he could have Delta, it's possible, but but he's quite ill. So if you're unvaccinated, Omicron can still hurt you.
0: Okay. So by the way, great statement right there. We appreciate you saying all the things you're saying, Dr. Drew, who's an actual doctor. We saw his certificates and degrees. So with COVID-19, the OG here, right? I mean, who knows how it's, it took over the entire world. Then there was, what, Delta came yes. through, what? and then now Omicron coming through, and it's what? the weakest one, right? COVID-19, yep. the original wave, strongest of all time, right? I mean, yep. that's, that's the strongest of all time. That was nasty. nasty. That was the nasty. most nasty. Rest in peace, terrible what it did to the entire world. Stopped the entire world. Delta, also strong, but not as strong as COVID-19, right? Omicron. Yeah. Nom- Omicron now seems to be... The, are we phasing... You, you can't make any absolutes, I understand. But in your eyes, is this a natural progression of a viral disease? And are we going to have to deal with this forever like the flu? Or is there a chance this thing ends soon? I,
8: I, I think it's going to be around around forever. There are certainly virologists that believe that it's likely to become weaker and weaker with time. That's an adapt, that's a, it's a advantage evolutionarily for the virus, right? To kind of be able to move around amongst us and just survive with us rather than having us try to stamp it out, it killing us. So it, evolu- it just makes sort of intuitive sense from an evolutionary perspective that the virus would want to coexist with us peaceably. Now, that doesn't mean that's what will happen. This has been a very bizarre virus. It's been unusual in terms of its, you know, its structure, its how it has mutated, how it has affected the human body. So anything is possible. I, my prayers are certainly that it will go the direction that makes evolutionary sense towards a milder, Cold
0: what did you what did you mean there in the middle you start taking some shots at the you know the way this thing is built and you're talking about it as if we live peacefully it, it right? doesn't,
8: it, we worry that it was something constructed in the lab and then it and so it doesn't necessarily follow the usual rules see but, but you,
0: it, you can't say like remember back in the day when that was even mentioned if it was even mentioned that it came, You were racist you're, you're racist
8: a, if you mentioned it worst human of all time
0: because yeah. we're all I, trying it to, was
8: I knew I knew I, I watched Dr. Fauci he's like I've I got involved in radio because of Anthony Fauci it back in 1983 he was chanting to us young physicians i was deep in the aids epidemic i was taking care of so many aids patients it was it was wild back then and it was horrible it was a horrible experience and we couldn't do anything. He just said, you got to go out there and educate young people about the risk. And so that's how I got involved with radio. And I've been through four subsequent pandemics with him. So, you know, SMERS, SARS-1, H1N1. H1N1 was a horrible pandemic. And you don't even know what happened. That's the crazy thing. That's, that's what I kept you know. saying at the beginning of this. Like, we've been through some bad ones. Calm down, everybody. We'll get, we'll get through it. Pandemics are defined by excess death. It will suck. But panic is not going to help anything. So what was your question? I've already lost my train of thought. No, it's okay. You
0: actually led me to another one because we've been at the beginning of this thing and you brought up Dr. Fouch who... You know, I saw throw one of the worst opening pitches yeah, in the of history of
1: baseball. I think. My boy. Yeah. That
0: was, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was similar. I mean, it was a bad was one. It was terrible. And yeah. I, I try to stay out of the real world, honestly, because I think people expect me uh, and hope for me. And I think what my job is, is to come in and just be like a vacation for people. So I literally tried my best to stay out of everything. But in the world that we're in, especially with the Internet, shit's going to make its way in. Fox mm. has had quite a. Huh? This particular run, it is kind of come and gone immediately at the beginning. Hey, two weeks and then two weeks became a month. And then it's obviously led into whatever it is. And people had their thoughts, I think, about him very early. And then it's kind of got cemented in there. What are your thoughts on Dr. Fauci? And okay?
8: yeah, so so that's where some of the vaccine hesitancy comes from. I, I was very disappointed when he was testifying in front of congress and they asked him about you know gathering in public places no it's dangerous how about if you're demonstrating well i, I don't know what you're asking me it's like don't dude just answer the damn question don't, don't don't play those games that's where he lost me he is back i saw him in an interview 2 days ago and i thought ah there is the anthony fauci i have come to know and love he's back he sort of landed he was stuck in some sort of political quagmire i don't know what was happening to him but he was adulterated by that, as I said earlier. The work. He, he, I've been through five pandemics with him. He is an exceptional clinician. He's been an extraordinary resource for this country. He was whom I kept saying you should look to for guidance. Something went on politically where we all lost our minds for a little while. I think when this is all done, and by the way, his lack of transparency is what created vaccine hesitancy. So I'm not letting him off the hook for that. That was a big mistake. But when the day is done, I do believe he will revert to the mean. And he will be the guy I know him to be who is excellent. And I remember now the other question you asked me, which is the one day I knew we could talk about the possibility of a, of a China lab production was uh, when he said, well, maybe it came from a Chinese lab. We'll have to look into that. And, and all of a sudden, everything changed. You can now talk about science again, the possibility of investigating where a virus came from.
0: Okay, let's talk about science because that was something I was attacked for yesterday as well because Aaron talked about peer reviews and peer reviews and everything like that. Whenever you go through all of these new, like the CDC, for instance, just changed from 10 days to 5 days for the quarantine, then the internet immediately said well that's because the Delta CEO said 4,000 planes can't be delayed. I thought the NFL was going to have to make a change and everybody else will kind of feel the ripple effect. In turn, which might make sense because I'm just a sports meathead, the CDC makes a change and all the other leagues kind of ripple out uh, from that point. As soon as the CDC said go 10 days to five days, the NFL was like, there it is. We're going to do Got this it. as well and everybody did that. Do You you said you have a lot of faith in the CDC and how hard it yes. is to get infiltrated there. You think that was done because of the the data and analytics that they're seeing from the newest COVID? Yes. And do you think yes. that but will no, only continue that, that
8: to was, go? That fit my experience perfectly and, and they made a good decision and not an gr- easy decision but because they get vilified too but that absolutely fits the clinical syndrome the 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 it looks to me this is now now i'm going to give you an opinion this is now not peer review this is not the literature i can only give you my clinical experience now. hey I've don't
0: been, be spreading misinformation on this
8: program <laughs> all right stop. so it's not going to be it's not going to be a super uh, exciting observation but Ugh. i i have noticed that the testing for omicron is kind of nefarious it's sort of all over the place I think most people with Omicron are only producing significant virus for very short periods of time. And so people are negative. They test negative throughout. They only test positive for a minute. That being the case means they are not very infectious for very long. Once they clear the virus to the point where you can't detect it on a test, it, you're, you're not contagious. And that's essentially what they're saying. And they're noticing the same thing I'm noticing, that it's a very short-lived period of, of viral rep- or viral productivity where you could be infectious. Do you think now, I don't know if you're
0: going to be a pundit, a uh, misinformation spreader or a psychiatrist or a medical doctor in this answer. Uh, are we near the end of this thing? You know, it feels like everybody's cool, yeah. about fed up. I mean, granted, there's still a lot of very passionate people. I experienced them last night. I was told I'm killing people because Aaron comes on here and speaks. Uh, it has been incredible talking to you, by the way. I feel like we've all learned a lot and we appreciate you. Uh, I feel like some trust maybe has been earned back because Dr. Drew has given people the, the OG he's okay. Whenever you talk about the world, getting back into it from a psychiatry standpoint, from a medical standpoint, from an advancement standpoint, yeah. this is going to be a nightmare, isn't it? I mean, this is, gonna, yeah. this is a whole new world. Now we've been Living in for two years, coming yeah. out of it is going to be a nightmare,
8: right? It's really hard to say. I mean, you're asking a difficult question. Uh, and it has been very bizarre. Yeah. I mean, this has been a crazy experience. I, I, I When I started noticing people talking about Nazis everywhere and Russian operatives there, I thought, wow, if you had said this to me five years ago, I would have put you into the psychiatric hospital. And now that kind of delusional, rigid, over-the-top, histrionic thinking became just routine everywhere. I feel like that's settling. I think that will settle and as that settles people will be able to make more rational decisions. I think we are tired. I think people are assessing reality on their own terms. Reality does have a way of creeping in and you can you can't avoid it. And the reality is this thing is milder. We're getting vaccinated. We're taking reasonable approaches. We have therapeutics now. We have monoclonal antibodies. We have Paxlovid. The panics needs to go away. We need to go about our business and live with this thing. I think people are enthusiastic about that, maybe too much so, and that we need to sort of uh, take a very moderate course to all this and move forward and be, you know, th- there's a time for courage too. You know what I'm saying? There's a time yeah. to stand up and go, okay, it's time to live. That survival is not the priority, but living and living well and th- flourishing really needs to be our priority. Let's stand up. Let's move forward. We've got a lot of great treatments available. Let's life is risky. Let's move forward and let's live together again and not not be stuck in this delusional quagmire.
0: I I love the motivational speech you just gave. It, is it? Wouldn't that be a celebration of the medicine and science? If we did move forward, it's like, hey, we got the treatments. Vaccines are good for you. If people don't yeah. want it, let them
8: deal with that. Yeah, yeah, it's- exactly. What? Why this isn't? That's precisely it. Uh, that why we didn't. I mean, we've had these. I, I knew at the outset of this pandemic that no one in the world is better than the United States. The medical system and the research we have at responding and improvising, I knew we would come up with treatments. I knew we would come up with vaccines. I was confident about that. And here we are. Two years later, we have great therapeutics and we have good vaccines. Celebrate that. It's an we, we've, Literally, we saved the world. It's an extraordinary thing. And yes, pandemics, are, pandemics suck. They're defined by excess death. If excess people aren't dying, we are not in a pandemic anymore and we should act accordingly.
0: We beat COVID, dude.
8: Well, we 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 gave ourselves the what is necessary to do. So how we you know really get through it, it's it's a it's a it's a black box and we have to operate our way through. But we, we shouldn't COVID. be sheltering a place, we shouldn't be hiding, we shouldn't be attacking each other, we shouldn't be delusional and paranoid. We should stand up with a little bit of courage and walk forward. And, and by the way, let the medical system work. Work with your physician to make these decisions. Why anybody has any opinion about what Joe Rogan does with his doctor is offensive to me. That's between him and his doctor and just the two of them and no one else.
0: Isn't it awesome? I, I say you're coming on the show. He's not a real doctor. Then I call uh, Dr. Joe Rogan, Dr. Joe Rogan, and that's a slap in your face as well. You can't win, but doctors never see people when they're good. You only see people when you're bad, so you have to build up uh, callous to all that. Uh, last question here before we let you go. We can't thank you enough. Uh, immunity. Whenever you uh, when you get the shot, the vaccine, how long should that shield you think remain the boost shield? Should it remain? And also, if you get Omicron, is it three months? Is it six months? Is it a year? Do we know anything about how long you should be good?
8: So so we know a lot about the vaccines and I think most people are aware they decay with time. They wane. Even the booster wanes. You're pretty good. There's a whole story to be told. What, what wanes is the antibody response, which is the direct neutralizing effect on the virus. But we also have a T cell army waiting behind to mount an attack on the virus should we get infected. That story has yet to be fully elucidated. We don't know for sure how that's gonna work. My bet is we're gonna be pretty good for years. My other bet is if you have vaccine and any of the variants, you are what, what some people are calling super immunity. It's a hybrid immunity that in all likelihood will be excellent for years.
0: So I'm vexed, and I got like the strongest son of a bitch you, out here. You should be
8: good. I'm not saying you won't get sick. You might get sick with something, but it's not going to bother you if you get it.
0: And my T-cells are going to come. <laughs> 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 exactly <laughs> right. Hey, we can't thank you enough, Dr. Drew. Ladies and gentlemen, a man who has like 47 degrees, Dr. Drew. Thank you, Doc. Thank, thank you, Thank you, <laughs> you, Doc.
8: Nice to meet you.
0: Can't thank you enough for allowing all of us to penetrate your ear holes today. Big thanks to all of our guests. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your clarity. Thank you for your information. Thank you for just, you know, letting us continue to do this for a living. To all of you listening, you're the fucking greatest humans on earth. Hashtag end the pod squad as we end this 2021. Why not win some merch? Tweet where you're at. Take a picture. We appreciate the hell out of you. Ty, please play some independent music and propel these people into a beautiful Coaches Up Chuck Wednesday evening. We'll see you manana for. Oh, there's no Thursday Night Football. Huh. We'll figure it out. Cheers. <laughs>